ladies and gentlemen of the jury, the prosecution is not going to get that man today. No, because I'm going to get him. Today, this Tuesday, is June nineteenth, twenty eighteen. It's uh, I figured out it's day one thousand one hundred, day eleven hundred of the war against President Donald Trump. It was eleven hundred, eleven hundred days ago when Donald Trump was uh, when he announced that he was running for president, and ever since then the uh, country, the uh, lunatics, uh, the liberal lunatics have not been the same and they've been of course waging war against president donald trump 500 uh, well over 500 days uh as well during his presidency attempting to get him out of office we're seeing that i think this is the biggest story of our of our lifetime and uh we're going to be uh talking about that a little bit we're seeing the house house committee um uh, uh, Horowitz testifying before the House Committee today. Yesterday was the Senate, and that's pretty interesting. Right? Bombshells in there. Uh, one, yeah, let's Hillary Clinton was not formally under FBI investigation at any time in 2015 through 2016. That's being reported from the Gateway Pundit. On Tuesday, Inspector General Michael Horowitz testified in joint congressional hearings to the House Oversight and Judiciary Panels about his review of FBI's mishandling of the Clinton email investigation. Now, it, uh, Trey, many of the optics you can find on this, uh, there was a big report on Fox News today about Trey Gowdy and him, him questioning IG Horowitz. But Horowitz revealed the FBI never named a target or even a subject in the Clinton email probe. While she was the focus of the investigation, she was not named, nor were any of the co-conspirators named on the, uh, documents. So was she a target? She was never named as one. Nor was Mills, Abedin, and Clinton. Nobody was listed as a subject of this investigation at any point in time. Yeah. Adding, this was surprising for a criminal probe. That's uh, one piece. A, of how do you have a see? And this is it. How do you have a criminal probe with a, a probe without a suspect? Then therein lies, shall we say, the larger problem. Um, also, some other issues during that, that House meeting today, Horowitz, I.G. Horowitz, uh, testified that one of the unidentified other pro-Clinton FBI agents, investigators referred for discipline, was one of the agents who interviewed Hillary Clinton on July 2nd, 2016, along with Strzok. Two of the three unnamed agents were uh, one of the ones caught sending the anti-Trump text messages, also still actively working on the Mueller probe. Horowitz also confirmed this, according to Paul Sperry, that uh, he's um, that uh, he's investigating allegations that FBI officials edited the 302 summary reports of interviews with uh, with witnesses and suspects in the 2016-2017 investigations, including General Flynn. So, what does that tell you? When 302s see 302s are just basically summary uh, summary reports of interviews typed up after the fact. That's what forms the 302 are. Um, when an FBI agent interviews you, um, he goes back to the office, presumably, and creates a 302 summary, which or a summary which is typed on a form 302. And that, of course, serves as a permanent record for the interview. So what Horowitz was saying was that he's investigating 
the IG department is investigating that 302s, the summaries were in fact altered um, in the interviews of witnesses. One more thing, and this is critical, I think that the Horowitz, and this is just breaking at the end, Mark Meadows of course, mm-hmm. uh, just identified two of the previously identified uh, anti-Donald Trump pro-Hillary Clinton FBI investigators referred for punishment by the IG and both work for the general counsel of the FBI, not in counterintelligence, as the FBI claimed, as an excuse to withhold their names. Again, remember, there's two different parts of the FBI. you got the counterintelligence. Uh, I mean, there's there's two different segments. You're looking at counterintelligence on one side that's extremely critical in terms of the... Uh, um, Secrecy, privacy, because of the nature, the confidential and uh, national security nature, and then of course you've got the criminal side. So if you look at it as simple as that, and then subsets of each, but primarily the counterintelligence. And so, what and one of the saying is, yeah, go on. Well, one of those is uh, the name by the name of Sally Moyer, M O Y E R, who was allegedly having her own romantic relationship with another. Male FBI attorney mirroring Page and Stroud. Go figure. Yeah. Well, when do these when do these people have any time to get anything done at that level, right? Uh, between texting lovers and lovers and you know trysts and in uh, a man can be measured in certain ways, I believe, in, in integrity by their integrity, as can a woman. And you look at something like that. Um, what does that tell you? Uh, you know, so and there's also um, there's more coming, and I think that there's more there coming. All right, there's more. I think damaging things. See, and, and they and, can't focus on that. You know, the, the whole focus uh, I, and the I, news is on the, uh, you know, these poor uh, children that that we have. Uh, you but know, the, the see, they've got they've on. got to see. The, the, the more the, this information comes out, they got to grab right. for for this. So no, they do, and that's exactly yeah. what they're doing. You know, no. First of all, uh, we can break down this whole uh, immigration and, and children separated from their parents. I saw an, uh, a stay stay the hell home. Fascinating. Out loud. What's wrong with you people? Out of twelve thousand children who came here illegally, ten thousand came without parents. Okay, I'm going to send my six-year-old, uh, you know, with the coyote up up to the border. Look, this is not this is not about amnesty. No, this is a, it's not about children. No, it's not about children. It's about the midterms. It's, it's about that's right. Their agenda. That's right. And, and you know, if you want to really get down to it, uh, look at the legislation that 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 uh, Clinton signed. It's uh, Hillary's husband. You know Clinton that signed the specific legislation. Obama expedited and carried you know carried this legislation through. Um, when I say legislation, I'm talking about the 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 policies, the laws, and of course Donald Trump is is writing, correcting that is the uh, the enforcement of the laws. This okay, amnesty. It's not about amnesty. It's not about the children. Amnesty can be claimed in, in Mexico. Amnesty can right. be claimed in any country. This is about getting children up here. Or getting people, kid, uh, getting people up here, and then looking at the children. Uh, again, they're using children as pawns, um, mm-hmm. and, and they, just like they do with gun control. Yeah, go ahead, just keep going. Just like they do the with gun control. But there's yeah. one issue of this. I want everybody to go to Hagman Report. There's a, a article I, I put up there today from the Free Thought Project. 
And this was a very interesting, of all the uh, stories that we're hearing about these children, I think this is the only one that really is deserving of, you know, getting to the bottom of. And they ask, where are all the girls? You see all these pictures, apparently, of only boys in these immigration centers. And there's an article here again. Where are the girls? Child trafficking feared, as DHS can't say, where immigrant girls are being held. Even Politico reporter asked DHS Secretary Nielsen, why is the government only releasing images of boys being held? Where are the girls and the toddlers? Nielsen said, I'll look into that. Now, what are the reasons behind this? Is this, is this an optics issue? Are there girls actually missing? Uh, this, this is what we need to find out. But there's a separate story about 1,500 children that are, are you know, quote-unquote, missing. And they're trying to blame this on the Trump administration. And I saw a great report from the uh, Newsbusters Media Research Center that talked about how out of those 1,500 children, I think it was 1,427, they're missing because they refuse to show up to their court date for uh, the, the, their deportation or, or uh, citizenship status. They didn't show up, so therefore they're classified as missing. But this story is separate from this. And what's really interesting is that the human trafficking angle about this story, it says there's something disturbing about the minuscule amount of footage recently released by HHS last week. It only shows boys and boys age 10 and up. Where are the girls? Where are the toddlers? Where are the babies? Could it be that HHS is only releasing footage of these older boys to portray an image of less suffering? And it goes on from there to, to speculate. But shame, asked, on, shame on these people. When shame asked, she, uh, the, the Nielsen, could not answer. So is it uh, just a matter of, of optics, like somebody suggested? Or is there a more sinister motive here? I don't know. But I think that's the one question that is um, deserving of further investigation to look into, obviously. But you talk about the epitome of fake news, the uh, humanitarian in quotation marks, air quotes, uh, scandal at the southern border. Yeah. To me, is is it's not, and, and um, I don't think President Donald Trump should move one iota, one inch on this. I think that he should put his foot, you know, keep putting his foot down. And, and these 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 morons, whether they're in the House or in the Senate or in the media, again, all morons in my view, or those people tweeting out using social networking to exploit the the situation. It's it's um, you're as bad in my view as the very people who are causing the the situation. And and it's about time people understand what's going on and, and of course you take father's day and, and you and you exploit father's day saying you know well you can celebrate father's day but what about the people who are getting their their children ripped from their arms at the southern border and create you know working on that emotionalism it's 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 not that it, it's it's you've got to understand this <laughs> this is a, a, a hey what about whatever happened to elian gonzalez just mm-hmm. just asking under hmm. Clinton. Was it under Clinton? Yeah. Yeah. Janet Reno. Well, see, Elian Gonzalez was just curious from his family's arms to be given back to his parent. Oh, yeah, I know the story. <laughs> no, I know, but but that's, yeah, yeah, but still. But, yeah, I mean, they, what, what they're doing here, uh, it, it's classic leftist propaganda and spin. We have the 2018 midterms coming up. They have no leader. They have no... Narrative. They have no winning ideas. 
The only thing that they have been able to do consistently is attack President Trump and attack his supporters. Then we come across, uh, and John made this distinction on The Daily Show today. This was on the Liberty Daily. Apparently the image that was used portraying a boy in a cage crying was not from a detention center in 2014, but rather a protest against uh, immigration policies where it was uh, set up as, a, as a, an optic, like a, a prop in this protest where you can see the image of the kid getting in and crying and getting out and other kids getting in and holding signs. It was not an actual detention center photo. But the news media ran with it. Not only did they run with it and try to portray it as, you know, this is Trump's doing, but all this was done under the Obama administration. And many people forget, in 2015, 2016, it was reported about the catch-and-release programs, how these, uh, and there's all these other policies still in place where children are only allowed to be held in detention centers up to 20 days. Then they're given to sponsors uh, who are usually family or, or uh, close friends to the family. So it's not like some long-lasting uh, situation where these kids are going into these concentration camps or detention centers and are never finding their way out. It's basically a processing holding center till they are either deported or found to have a sponsor family to go to. There's no, not really any mistreatment. There's not cages they're being put in. And one of the things I hate about this story, even if there was, nobody even wants if there was. to see children in cages. Uh, of course. Oh, well, well, no, 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 no. I, that's not true. That, that's not true. I showed okay. a picture of, I, I showed a picture of a child in the cage, and nobody gave a damn. In fact, they said it was all it was fake news. In fact, they sat right at that conference table and said that. And they said, prove it. And that child is dead now. Yep. And, and, and shame on you. And, and shame on the people who took that, that article of, of child abuse, Representative Pedagate, and shame on you who took that, you self-professing, sanctimonious, bastardized Christians, and, and said it was a, it was a lie. I'm sick of this crap. I'm going to tell you right now, I want to know when the first shot's going to ring out. And that's a question, not a threat. They probably already have. We're going to take, look, look, look. Go to Conservative Review. Go to Conservative Review. Uh, Daniel Horowitz, we've had on, on the program. We're told, we were told that, uh, in fact, this is from, uh, sorry for, Beginning upset, but it just it it makes me angry. You've got you've got these weaver of lies, these these weavers who lie these stories to you know to lie about stories. Propaganda, masters of propaganda. Thank you. That's an even better phrase. Who 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 will who say who who stand behind the cloak of Christianity when they and I'm a Christian. Okay, and and they say, well, Hagman's just is full of BS. And I show a, a, a picture which has been authenticated by law enforcement, of which I cannot, I could not speak about. In fact, cannot even speak about it except to show the picture, ask for information about it, because it, and it's been authenticated, being told to prove it by a couple of numbskull reporters from a national publication. In my view, numbskull reporters from a national publication. And then you got these sanctimonious reporters who cloak themselves in Christianity, saying, "Well, see, Hagman, he's a liar. He's a professional." Uh, liar. And, and, okay, fine. That's fine. It, it, it angers me not what you think. 
What angers me is, is your response to the children, that, that child, that little boy in a cage, and, and then, and, and then of course, you know, you, you taking on once again the sanctimonious approach that my God, these children, you know, you're causing a humanitarian crisis at the border, uh, President Donald Trump. No, he's not. I mean, again, my question is, at what point do we start shooting? At what point does the shooting start? At what point does the ideology get so great, the divide gets so great? At what point does this country take it taken down so many levels that we've got to rip out the guns? And I'm telling you right now, uh, Daniel Horowitz has got a great article from uh, the 14th. We were told that it would be better if illegal immigrants were drawn out of the shadows and documented, therefore, an illegal president. Therefore, listen to what I'm saying. Therefore, an illegal president or any American president legally um, uh, could grant amnesty. And I, I guess that was a Freudian slip, an illegal president. Uh, <laughs> but, but you know what? It fits, doesn't it? An American president legally can grant amnesty without without the uh, consent of the people's representatives, something that even King George could not even do without Parliament. And Stephen King, I'm telling you, Daniel Horowitz wrote a great article about DACA and about the uh, vital yeah. information on DACA recipients missing from the government database, database two different, different things. But see, this is it. This is a self-created... BS kind of thing going on. We God. just got a uh, an email from uh, our regular guest and uh, contributor Peter Chowka. He says even Fox News at this moment is giving airtimes to to advocates who are attacking the Trump administration for cruel policies for keeping little children locked up in cages and sleeping on cold floors. This country is finished. He ends with, and yeah, I mean it is this. I, I don't know. We expect this from the mainstream media. We expect to see. The lies, the the manipulation, the propaganda. Even the Catholic Church is getting involved in this. But the, the children, it's always the children. And yeah. until you talk about abortion, then it's women's rights. Yeah, there you and go. You can, you, when it, we have to ban the guns for the children's sake. We have to have open borders for the children's sake. But talk about Planned Parenthood. No, 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 no. Those aren't children. The, you know, those are fetuses, clumps of cells. And even if they, but you know what? You know who suffers the most? It's the black kids who suffer the most. Yeah. It's the black kids in Chicago who suffer the most. It's the black kids of LA who suffer the most. And you want to talk about racist? In my view, Planned Parenthood—they're the racist. They, They're they the eugenicists. By racist Margaret Sanger, who said their mission to be kept secret was to destroy the black population. That was basically their mission statement from Planned Parenthood. Let's get fired up. Nobody will ever talk about that. And here is an article that Ben Shapiro did. I don't particularly like Ben Shapiro, but he's right on some issues. The Obama White House kept children together with parents in widespread deplorable conditions, citing holding women and children as a deterrent. And this is from the Daily Wire, and it goes on to say the media's uh, just going crazy over the issue of illegal immigrant parent separation from children. And while they go insane over the implication by certain members of the Trump administration that such policy amounts to an attempt to deter illegal immigration, it's worth remembering the Obama administration pursued nearly all the same activities as the Trump administration with regard to the treatment of an influx of illegal immigrant immigration in 2014-2015. Then it cites numerous examples from the New York Times, Washington Post, and others. It's only a problem under the Trump administration, not because they believe in what they're saying. We need to help the children. It's because they hate Donald Trump and what he represents and what he stands for. And they hate and who his us. supporters are. They hate right. you and I. They That's hate the the only reason everyone listening and watching to this. You see, see they think they found a crack in the armor. Right. There you go. Yeah, but the, it, because everyone 
everyone who can well, be most people most other than the perverse love the children some love them too much that those are the perverse but go on well these are the share blue talking points i'm noticing on on internet forums and comment sections is if you're a christian and you are for donald trump's immigration policies you're going to hell how can you be a christian and want to see children in cages these i mean it's it's they're trying to make it that black and white and it's absolutely ridiculous. And I'm going to uh, cite a video here. And folks, during the break, if you want to go search this, it's called, uh, here, I got it right here. Let me pull it up on YouTube. Peter Sal- Salemi. Peter Pumpkin Eater. Peter Salemi. Are immigrant children being ripped from their parents by Brittany Hughes? Search that video. It's from June 16, 2018. And it gives a great in-depth analysis as to what is actually happening versus what happened under the Obama administration, it, it, it tears through the lies and gets to the truth of the matter. But, you know, I said this yesterday, and I'll say it today. What would happen if a million children, American children, went to the Mexican border, crossed the border, demanded free tuition, citizenship, welfare, whatever it was, housing? How would that end? How come if I want to go to Canada, I have to bring a passport, a birth certificate, if they'll even let me in. How come the U.S. Is, has to be the country and Western Europe has the to be the country's open Canada. border? <laughs> no, I know. But seriously, I mean, what? They're, they're destroying our culture. They're destroying our society. And they've been able to do it from the inside out. They learned long the ago they could never invade and take over the country that way. So the only other way is is through infiltration and through subversion. And these people are masters at that. And this book I have right here by Zbigniew Brzezinski is a blueprint on how to do that. Totalitarianship, dictatorship, and autocracy. And it talks about the totalitarian ideology, the propaganda and terror. Terror. It talks about the family, the church, on and on and on, universities, uh, the problem with uh, uh, changing of power. But this is a blueprint. And what we're seeing, this book written in 1950, you can read it today, and it mirrors what the government, the news media, has done to our society. And we're, like Peter said, our country's done. We are destroying ourselves. And if we, if we fall for this, obviously, uh, we don't want to see any children mistreated. But yeah. like many other people say, right. what about the CPS? We've been yes. making noise about children protective services taking children away from their families for years. What do we get for it? Called conspiracy theorists. On and on and on. Nobody cares. But only when it can hurt or potentially hurt Trump and the support for Trump, is it an issue? Is it important? So until I see these same people calling out the CPSs, calling out the Planned Parenthoods, I'm not going to take anything they say with any... uh, It's not serious. It's a joke. It's propaganda. We should be able to see right through it. And it's no coincidence, as we said earlier, that as this IG report drops, as more information is coming out, Peter Strauch escorted out of the FBI Friday. It's being said Rod Rosenstein is going to be fired this Friday. Judicial Watch. It's time to prosecute our own FBI. So with the biggest political scandal in American history, a conspiracy not only to to keep the the biggest criminal presidential candidate in history, Hillary Clinton, out of jail, these same people conspired to stop candidate Donald Trump from becoming president, and if he did win, put in an insurance policy to ensure he would be impeached. And all this has been unfoiled and come out in the open. What's so that? What are we talking about? Policy? But what, are, what are we talking about? We're talking about 
immigration policies, fake stories of children being kept in cages. Not the IG report, not the FBI corruption, not the DOJ corruption, not the corruption of Jeff's, Jeff Sessions' negligence. We're talking about made-up stories, made up purposely to hurt Donald Trump and his agenda and his supporters. And where do we go from here? I guess we just turn off our TVs. We ignore we ignore the garbage. And just look at this. Uh, Washington Free Beacon. Almost 1,000 people injured or killed in terrorist attacks by refugees in Germany. One in three chance Germany will be target country in future plots. This is the same countries in Europe, Germany, who have enacted hate speech laws where you can't even criticize the people who are committing terror on their land, the refugees that they have brought in. It's been said Angela Merkel may not even last another week as president. They're destroying societies from the inside out. They're destroying, as Michael Savage says, borders, language, and culture. No country in the history of the world has survived by saying, let's have open borders, let's change our laws based on, uh, you know, who the refugees of this month are or this year. It doesn't work like that. America was established the way it was for a reason. It's been successful for a reason. And as soon as we start to try to change that, and it's already been manipulated and changed so much, that's why we're $20 trillion in debt in a debt-based economic system in a once-free country. There's and, not yeah, far to go. You're, you're right. And the other thing, too, Joe, is when, when um, uh, Coach Dave came on last night, and I noticed kind of silence from the, the, the uber left, the communist socialist. You know, it's, it's, it's a shame. What really spoke to me is that when he was met at the mosque. Yeah, by Christians. But yeah, not by Muslims, but by so-called Christians. Love, you know, love everyone, coexist. Okay, we're pretty much, that tells me pretty much everything I need to know. Yeah. And by the way, 2014, Hillary, just because your child could get across or gets across the border doesn't mean that your child gets to stay. 2014, 2016, there's okay, videos there of go. her there saying, no, they'll be turned away. They'll be deported. They cannot come here illegally and expect to gain anything by breaking the law. She, these are her, her words. She said it in two separate interviews. They're making their way around the Internet. I'll post one of them on Hagman Report. I couldn't find it on YouTube. It was only on a Steam It. So I'll find the actual piece from the YouTube, and I'll post it up on Hagman Report. But, yeah, all this stuff, all of this is being done to try to uh, tarnish President Trump and, and the way his supporters support him, even though he has record high approval. And right you don't right think now. this is a coup? This is a flipping coup. Understand what a coup looks like in America. You're seeing it. We'll be right back with Ashton Birdie after this. This Tuesday edition of the Hagman Report today, June 19th, 2018. We're going to be joined by Ashton Birdie. You can follow her at Ashton Birdie on Twitter, and she's a former Berkeley student who just got back from the UK covering the Tommy Robinson protest. So we're going to talk to her about what's going on in the UK with free speech, Tommy Robinson, and here in America with free speech and what we see coming out of the 
universities and uh, continuing to... If I can just say something about that, because I I wasn't here when you interviewed Ashton, and uh, I caught the interview afterwards, and uh, um, what a delightful young lady. And and I noted that that she... um, that with the candidacy of Donald Trump, she became a prominent YouTube commentator to make, you know, MAGA, the Make Make America Great Again agenda, millennials worldwide. And how articulate she is and how correct she is. And if, if, if there was Exhibit A in the courtroom, in my view, that would say, you know, millennials, there's hope for America after all. There it is. But go ahead with your continue. I, I interrupted, but I wanted to make sure I let her know in advance and let the audience know that I saw that. So um, very interesting and very, very, very well-spoken and very right, very correct. I was going to read an excerpt out of this book, but I can't find it right now, so we'll do that later. I want to uh, make sure we talk about this, throw this out there, because I want to ask Stan about this. Uh, There's been reports that this Hawaii volcano that's been erupting, that this, I guess this summit can collapse creating a massive tidal wave uh, tsunami type situation and I want, it's being reported that you know the summit has already collapsed but obviously that's not true because we have not seen a tsunami type tidal wave but I, w- I really wonder what the possibilities are apparently it's happened in the past and could happen again and the the recent increase of earthquakes in that region it's it's still the earthquakes are continuing to increase almost tenfold on a, on a bi-weekly basis since the start of this uh, uh, eruption. So definitely a very volatile situation. We'll get Stan to comment on that uh, when he joins us today. Now, again, we've been talking about the immigration issue, the whole first segment, and on the front of Drudge, Trump vows to stop illegals. He's doubling down on his policies. He's saying we're not going to turn in to Germany. And There you go. Trump. Thank you, President Donald J. Trump. Thank you for not falling for the lies, the spin created by the liberal limousine left. Yeah. Trump, Democrats want illegal immigrants to infest our country. And this is what he said in a series of tweets. President Trump Tuesday restated his support for his administration's policy of separating migrant families at the border, calling Democrats the problem. We must always arrest people coming into our country illegally. Of the 12,000 children, 10,000 are being sent by their parents on a very dangerous trip. Only 2,000 are with their parents, many of whom have tried to enter our country illegally on numerous occasions. Democrats are the problem. They don't care about the crime and want illegal immigrants, no matter how bad they may be, to pour into and infest our country like MS-13. They can't win on their terrible policies, so they view them as potential voters, he continued in another tweet. What CNN did is take what President Trump said about MS-13 infesting our countries and said, immigrants infest our country. More manipulation and and deceptive editing that a small segment of the population is going to buy into and and run with it as though it were the truth. Just like kind of what they did when President Trump referred to MS-13 gang members as animals. They took out the MS-13 and said, immigrants are animals, according to Trump. The same games, the same manipulations. But Attorney General Jeff Sessions announced the zero-tolerance policy earlier this year, saying the DOJ would criminally prosecute all adults attempting to illegally cross the southern border into the U.S. As a result, families who cross together would, in some cases, be separated, he said. And we don't have to go through all this. We know 
uh, you know, the the left in their political games. But you have people who but are, but are journalists right. out here tweeting. We're being gamed. We're being gamed. Right. Go on. Saying, oh, this is dehumanization. Trump used the word infest to describe immigrants. Well, this is how uh, yeah, Hitler it's, it's described infestation. He's right. He's correct. We are being in- invaded. And, yes, in- infestation is the proper word. Get the, you know what, call the, where's the phone, where's my the rotary phone? You gotta call the PC police. Well, Go on. we have our guest with us, uh, Ashton Birdie. She was on for the first time just a few weeks ago with John and myself. Ashton, I'm, I, I hear I we've got her. you connected, but we don't have your video. Oh. You don't have me. I don't have my... your video. There, there should be like a little video, uh, camera sign thing in, in there. I don't know. We, right. got we got her. We got you. We got you now. Hi. Oh, what a what a lovely young lady she is. You've restored my faith in in millennials. Um, if that's and please take that as a compliment, not as a you know uh, nothing less than that. Um, I, I heard this say with, with you and John. Thanks for coming on again. Yeah, of course. Thank you so much for having me. I'm I'm happy to be here. I just flew in yesterday from London. Actually, I'm in D.C. right now. So. Happy to be here. <laughs> wow. So just back from, okay, so what'd you find in London? If you want to, is that where we want to start? What, yeah, uh, let's start there. The, the Tommy Robinson yeah. protest, the, the whole atmosphere in the UK. Um, yeah, what, what, let's start with Tommy Robinson. We're getting reports here in, in the U.S., uh, you know, protests are, have, have broke out in a number of cities across the UK and Europe, but the numbers are being widely unreported. And since last week, we really haven't seen any coverage. Uh, what was some of the takeaways that you had uh, when when in the UK on this situation? You know, it's actually really sad because all the mainstream media in the UK really seemed to take from it was this giant protest where people were chasing down the police and throwing things and things like that. But they didn't talk about the thousands of people who came together to talk about the issues of why Tommy Robinson should not be in jail. Now, a lot of people in the U.K. say, well, he went against the suspension. There's a lot of things to his arrest that we don't really want to talk about. Uh, you know, there's reasons to all this. But the thing is, my point is, is that if Tommy were an American citizen, and none of this would be happening right now, one, because the laws in the U.K. are not just. There is no free speech laws. There is no rights to the U.K. people as they have no real constitution. There is no um, a right to fair trial. There is no right to free speech. There is no right to journalists uh, as the people themselves cannot act as journalists, which we can in America. So there's a lot of issues that take place in the U.K. where, yes, there's a lot of U.K. laws that do play in a Tommy Robinson being put in jail. But the fact is not that Tommy Robinson's in jail. It's the fact that the U.K. laws are completely corrupt. They have no rights in the U.K., Whereas everything that is given to the people can easily be twisted by the government to control them. Yeah, and that's one of the big differences between the United States and the UK. And even since uh, recent, more recently, they've enacted these hate speech laws, uh, which are very broad and vague. And, and people, uh, for simply making comments on social media, even telling the truth, can be put in jail. So you said the mainstream media coverage over there is basically Tommy Robinson was in the wrong and he deserves to be in jail. What about the reports that he was moved to a more hostile prison, that there was a hit ordered out on him? Do you have any other uh, or updated information as to uh, where he's staying and, and the kind or type of facility he's in? So there's actually been some rumors that have been spreading around, and I want to make sure everybody knows this. Do not take any information 
unless it is from Kaylin Roberts. He is also on Twitter. Um, he is Tommy's, um, essentially his producer. And he is the only one I really trust getting information from because sometimes when it does get to, for example, I love Alex Jones and I love InfoWars. The problem is sometimes information gets shifted around and you're never really sure who it's coming from. So unless it's coming from Kaylin Robertson's mouth, I wouldn't trust it too much. Um, for example, it was said that 71% of the current uh, jail that he's in is Muslim, when in mm. fact it's just the wing that he's in. doesn't yeah. change the fact that he was moved to a different jail without being warned, without being given reason, completely unjust. Not to mention the entire wing that he was in was chanting about why they want to kill Tommy Robinson. And they're still letting him stay there in a wing full of inmates that want to kill him. Thank you for that clarification, by the way, and an important distinction as well. Can you do, do me a favor? Um, can you spell Roberts? Is, is it Kalen? Caleb? Yeah. I, let me give, actually, let me give you his Twitter handle. He's always, I can give you his contact as well. Kalen Robertson. So he is known as Kalen Rob on Twitter. His name is spelled C-A-O-L-A-N-R-O-B. All right. All perfect. right. And, and of course, you're on Twitter as well, so we can follow you mm-hmm. at Ashton Birdie, right? Because, of course, we want the right, the correct information. And and, and folks, um, Ashton Birdie is one of the most popular, one of the most, uh, in my view, correct citizen journalists, and one of the most cutting edge on the planet. So, um, especially if you haven't heard the initial interview with her, gotta go back and listen to that. Well, Ashton, let me ask you this about the the Tommy Robinson and the sentiment over in the UK. We had, I said, you know, differing reports about the protest, number of protests, size of protests. If something happens to him, what do you, you think is going to happen in the UK? I think there's going to be riots not just in the UK but across the world. I mean, we're always having protests in the US, in Australia, um, all across Europe. And I think what happens is if something does happen to Tommy Robinson, there will be anarchy not just in the UK but across the entire globe. And Theresa May, I think, knows this. I think we made it very clear. I mean, if you saw those chasing, if you saw what happened in the UK the day I was there, literal mobs chased down the police. They chased them down, throwing like traffic cones and poles and signs at them. Now, granted, I do not support political violence whatsoever. I have condemned Antifa. I condemned Black Lives Matter. And I will condemn these angry protesters who support Tommy Robinson. Um, then again, you know, until, like, we get to the state where we're literally in, like, Red Dawn, then, yeah, I'll put on a helmet and grab a, a gun and, you know, defend myself whenever I can. I'll, I'll do little anarchy rioting every now and then. But we're not at that state where we should be, you know, getting into protests and chasing down the police. But <laughs> with that being said, I think it's only going to get worse from there. And I personally would not condone it, obviously, but it will get worse if something does happen to Tommy. Because I think we are all in the mindset right now where Tommy is being put in jail unlawfully. He is being uh, tried un- unjust. And these are unjust laws that he's being tried with. And I think the people of the UK, the people of the world are, un- are aware of this. And they're very much angry about this. And they're only going to get angrier. And th- that, that that's going to permeate. Through, as you said, it's already happening across the across the planet. But uh, in the United States, given the fact that I think eighty percent, eighty five percent of our listeners are in the United States, um, 
although we have a, a very strong presence over in the UK and Europe and, and what have you in Australia, and I don't want to leave any countries out, but, but it, it, I, I can see, I can feel this shift. Can't you, where we're just, I'm just, I'm looking for that floating ember to land somewhere to cause a spark of flash, just to cause Man, some bad stuff to happen. Do you feel that? You know, that? and I, I think, yeah, I really do. I think it's starting to get to that point. Again, I do not condone political violence whatsoever. But there's going to be a time where people feel the need to riot and rage. And again, if we are in the state where Russia and China somehow come together like they did in Red Dawn, yeah, I will fight back and I will completely condone it. But we are not in that state. But that's not how others see it. They see it as their rights truly are in a sense of dictatorship. While that dictatorship may be forming as of now, they're still going to be going out there and rioting no matter what. So if something does happen to Tommy Robinson, if this situation does escalate in the UK, it will get worse, not just in the UK, but all over the world. And they're not, uh, how, the, the hate speech laws, see I've never been to the UK and I know we have a lot of listeners over there. I've never really, we've covered certain, you know, laws, especially the, the latest ones. How strictly do these, uh, do they enforce their hate speech laws? Uh, can you even answer that? Say somebody's on, on Facebook and says something along the lines of, uh, you know, Tommy Robinson's correct. Uh, Islam is creating terrorism in our country. Technically, they could be charged and, and jailed on hate speech. They really could. They really could. And the thing is, I think it's worse if you're more so a public figure, which is why I try to stay you know, on the down low when I'm out on the streets of London and I don't really say anything unless I'm making a YouTube video and um, posting up there um, because I don't want to be the one screaming out at the top of my lungs, uh, F is blah, blah, which I've, I've, <laughs> I've seen people get pushed aside for. I've, I've interviewed a woman who literally got, uh, she got talking to from the police for saying have a gay day to someone. Um, so there's definitely a, a, wow. a, a little bit of a police state going on there, and it's definitely forming, especially for people who are have bigger audiences. I don't think they really pay attention so much to the citizens. Like, for example, only five people out of those who chased some of the police were arrested. But people like Tommy Robinson, who, you know, live stream, obviously he's got a bigger audience, a bigger voice, he gets arrested. So they're really only going after the people with bigger audiences. And that, to me, actually scares me more, because when you are a civilian, you don't have as much of a voice as, say, the person who has a giant Twitter following or literally standing on a stage. Uh, for example, a drag queen who is not even on the right whatsoever, just saying at Data for Freedom and promoting freedom of speech because freedom of speech has helped the gay community, the black community, every civil rights movement mm -hmm. that is known to man. So, of course, she's going to support freedom of speech and she got exiled by every single club that she ever worked at and this is a drag queen that was supported by Sadiq Khan and now she's com being completely exiled she's being forced out of work she might end up homeless and it's it's absolutely depressing because you really see where this sort of mentality goes it's not towards the single civilians it's towards the movement it's towards the people who really have a voice out there because if you don't have a large following you're not going to make as much of an impact Right, right. And you certainly know what you're talking about, given your background, your history, in your area of, of uh, studies and <laughs> concentration. So, um, uh, well, okay. Uh, and, and please continue. What, I, I guess in, in terms of what's our biggest threat here today, beyond um, the Tommy, Tommy Robinson issue, we're, we're seeing lawlessness really uh, 
take over the landscape uh, or perceived lawlessness, and I think that's really a problem. Uh, or do you see something differently in a different direction? You know, I almost feel like I, I really hate to say this because, again, I do not condone political violence. Sure. And nor do we, no, I don't want to say this. We don't either. Okay. Just to be clear. So I don't yeah. think anyone here, any, any, anyone with reasonable sensibilities can't because if you study the Civil War, you understand how, how bad things are or were. Go ahead. If the government continues to push any sort of, I, I guess, dictatorship ideologies, it could be a, either a curse or a blessing. Now, as we've seen in history, it always tends to be a curse. For example, when a leftist dictator takes over, a further right dictator comes in and then pushes towards the right, and then you get someone like Adolf Hitler. And, of course, vice versa, and you get someone like Castro. Or history can be changed, and it becomes a blessing, in which, you know, I always like to say the joke, you know, we should take the alt-left and the alt-right and put them on an island somewhere and let the adults talk. <laughs> but in this situation, I almost wonder what would happen if the Antifa types and not I don't want to say alt-right types, but anti-establishment right came together. What if they came together, which would never happen, what if they came together with some understanding and said, you know, it's not a left or right issue, it's us versus the establishment and then all came together and rioted against the establishment. Of course, that is some sort of, it, it may never happen in history. But let's be honest here, that would be the blessing of all of this. Granted, history has proven that to be completely false and has yet to happen. But that would be the blessing if Theresa May in the UK or any other politician around the world kept pushing dictatorship ideologies where the people came together instead of, you know, thinking about their differences, focusing on their differences, came together instead and took down that establishment. That would be the blessing of this entire situation. But I don't think that's going to happen. I, I was going to say, what could possibly, given the, uh, in my view anyway, given the uh, severity of the of the differences between the left and the right in this case, if that's how you want to, or how people want to describe this, or maybe that's how people comprehend this, the left versus the right or the uh, liberal fascists versus the conservatives, um, uh, is that even possible given the, given the wide... And I don't like saying like alt right and alt left just because like I'm I myself right. am anti Nazi anti communist. Yeah. Um, I want to say anti establishment because there's an anti establishment left and an anti establishment right, and I feel like I like to look at these people because the thing is I don't like the idea of left versus right. I like the idea of people versus the establishment. Granted, I do call it the left for saying stupid things all the time. For example, the fact they're mad at Donald Trump. Uh, because of children being separated by their families, but the left has been attacking the nuclear family for generations. Right. Um, but so of course I call it the left. But at the same time, I think we should not make things like free speech a left or right issue. We need to focus on the people versus the establishment. Because the thing is, the people who are on the left are not my enemy. It's the people who are looking down at me from their ivory towers, and we have been so blinded by this left versus right situation. We're not looking at the people who are literally working together, laughing from above. Right. And, and I, I, I love that. I, I love that distinction because you are correct. It, it, it's it, This really is not, and, and I, I would stand corrected here, this is not a left v. right issue. This is the oppressive totalitarian. Well, it's good versus of, evil. Just like you know, I say, you know, we're Christians, we're told, 
uh, we're not told to make friends with evil, you know, people who are pushing perversions on children and, and homosexuality. Uh, we're also told to, to, uh, you know, love the sinner, hate the sin. You know, we're not, we're not to, you know, be hostile towards anybody, but that doesn't mean we have to accept these, uh, evil ideologies either. But at the same time, we're all humans. We need to, to act, uh, accordingly. But what you're saying, and I agree with you 100%, is so many people fall into the left-right paradigm. And they think, you know, uh, you know, if you're on the right, they, they, everything they left is left bad. They call the left evil. Yeah. Everything left is evil. And that's definitely not the case because I'm more so libertarian. I'm, I'm like a libertarian who I, I'm pretty sure I said last time I was on your show, I'm a libertarian that loves borders and hates abortion. Um, you know, I have leftist ideas that people on the right hate, and I have right-wing ideas that people on the left hate. The thing is, the people on the left are not my enemy. The people on the, le- the left is not evil. We're simply people just trying to understand where we fit into the world. The people that are we should be rivaling against are the people in the establishment in the quote-unquote swamp. I think a lot of people on the right tend to forget Trump is not a Republican. He's no. just Trump. That's right. He, he's his own person, and that, that's exactly what we needed. The fact that he is in office is an absolute miracle. I mean, we have taken down the epitome of the establishment that is Hillary Clinton, but we didn't need an establishment right-wing person to do it. We had someone that was one of us, someone who saw what was going on and wanted it stopped. And the thing is, I'm so sick of people saying, oh, but the GOP, the GOP is not Trump. Right. You know, people in, people in his uh, administration may be part of the GOP, and as angry as about that as I am, we still have Trump. But the thing is, we also need to keep fighting, because I feel like a lot of people, when they voted in Trump, they got so drawn into the right-wing spectrum, they kind of forgot what America truly stands for. Yeah. And that's about us working together to take down the political power that is trying to take away our freedoms. Because our founding fathers, the reason we have this country is because we literally fled Britain, the people who are falling apart right now, to make this country, to make it about the people before the government. And now what is happening in the UK is starting to happen here. What our founding fathers fled is coming back to get us, and we need to fight back. Yeah, we do. And and, and as you said, the uh, you know it's it's good versus evil, not left versus right. And you have uh, evil on both sides of of that aisle, both on the left and right, in the political. Well, she, made, she made that great point of of, of being the that. And, and I don't think I, I mean Donald Trump. And you said it. Donald Trump is Donald Trump, and he represents everything that the swamp doesn't. Right. Work. And, and and she said, you know, it's a miracle he's in office. Look at what he was uh, up against. Not only all the establishment Republicans, but you know, Hillary Clinton, the the Clinton machine. Not only that, a conspiracy by the FBI and DOJ to keep Hillary Clinton out of jail, but also to undermine uh, candidate and, Trump. And can I can I just say something about the FBI really quick? Is that I don't understand how the Democrats suddenly love the FBI. <laughs> oh, we need to trust you. Who do you think Jeff, who who killed JFK? Who do you think killed? You know, Marilyn Rowe, I, I hate to go into conspiracy theories here. I, I've been, you know, somewhat of a claimed conspiracy theorist or whatever. But in what spectrum of politics have we ever trusted the FBI or the CIA or any intelligence agency? Right. They're the ones who are trying to dismantle all the good and all the power to the people. Very well said. Why? It's like the left used to hate the CIA until Trump came to office. Now I was telling them the good guys. It, it makes no sense to me. And and I, I love it because I think he just made a whole bunch of people just stop and say, oh, "What'd she say?" Yeah, kind of stopping and thinking about this. 
I, you know, and a lot of people have called me a conspiracy theorist for being as anti-intelligence agency as I am. But the thing is, is that we have never in history trusted the CIA or the FBI. We know their past issues with taking down freedoms. Every time something has been said about the CIA or FBI, someone has died. What does that tell you? Yeah. Why would we trust this, the very people who are trying to take away our rights trust, who are keeping information from us, mind you? Why is it we live in a society where someone like Julian Assange right now is being held by the state, but someone like Mark Zuckerberg is literally praised by the left for selling our personal information? Man, you just hit a grand slam. I just have six words for you. <laughs> um, love thy country, hate thy government. Um, <laughs> boy, where have I heard that before? That, of course, is the uh, son-off phrase of... Ashton Birdie, our guest. Uh, it's it's hard to believe that an entire segment has gone on. We've got about uh, I don't know, 55 seconds left. And thanks, Erica. There, there's her YouTube channel, Ashton Birdie, on YouTube. Go there and subscribe. I just subscribed, followed uh, for, followed her on Twitter at Ashton Birdie. But make sure you go to the YouTube channel as well. Uh, we got about 30 seconds left, Ashton. Anything we didn't talk about that you want to get into? Anything you want to promote? Um. Actually, it's really exciting because I'm actually going to be in an event um, this Sunday. It's in Washington, D.C. at the International Trump Hotel. Uh, if you look on Eventbrite there, it's for a tea party for Trump, and it's going to feature speakers like Diamond and Silk, uh, Charlie Kirk, and we are going to have a fashion show featuring the new Make America uh, Great Again gown. So that's going to be this Sunday, and I will also be in London in mid-July. So. Wow. Fantastic, and we'll give Diamond Silk our best. They've been on our show, and, well, give Donald Trump our best as well, of course, understanding the event. So uh, follow her on Twitter. We're going to put a link up in the program description box, and uh, please keep in touch. Please, and, and thank you for everything you do, really. Thank you for having me. Oh, what a great lady. Thank you so much. When we oh. come back, Patrick Wood will be joining us. He is uh, one of the guys behind Red Pill Expo, which is coming up this weekend also. edition of the Hagman Report. Got an interesting story I'm going to jump out with before we bring Patrick Wood on. With all the news that's been going on about the, you know, the children and immigration and the IG report, this has kind of been overlooked and, and this deserves probably a whole segment. Trump orders Pentagon to immediately establish a space force. During a press conference Monday, Donald Trump announced that he hinted previously he's ordering the Pentagon to immediately establish a space force as an independent service branch, like another branch of the military. Today might be that day that future generations look back on as the anniversary of the creation of a legendary U.S. Space Force, Guardians of the Intergalactic Order. This is from Zero Hedge. Trump said, We must have an American dominance in space. Very importantly, I hereby am directing the Department of Defense and Pentagon to immediately begin the process necessary to establish a Space Force as the sixth branch of the armed forces. Now, my question is, I have a few questions. One, is this fiscally responsible when we are 20 trillion plus dollars in debt and two what is the is it for uh, protection against the other countries who are establishing space-based weaponry maybe china russia or are they attempting to build 
and establish something else for other purposes? Those are questions that would need to be clarified, but I find it, uh, I, I don't know. I don't even know what to, to say on it other than it just seems very strange that they would want to do I, I this. Think it's, I think it's forward thinking, Joe. Yeah, uh, maybe. And, and I was looking at this and, and you gotta go back to, um, and, and, and there's so many com- complexities to this. Go back to the Kennedy era and the race to, um, the race to the moon. And I, and I realize a lot can be said about that. Or, or if you choose, go back to Reagan, um, talking about the, the uh, Star Wars. Okay. I mean, it, there are a lot of, pre- there's precedent back there. But look what Obama did to defang our military. But what we're looking at, at this, I think it's a little bit different. One thing I wanted to mention as well, um, Alex Jones tweeted out, uh, just about a half hour ago, uh, Mueller's agents asked multiple people connected to uh, Donald Trump about Alex Jones. This according to Mike Caputo. And the reason I bring this up is the response when this was sent out via Twitter. The response is extremely interesting. First of all, he's not the only one. Period. And I'm not going to go any further than that. But the response to me is troublesome. Because you're looking at, at, at someone, in, in this case, the, the beacon, the, the forerunner of the, um, the forerunner of red pilling. Nice segue, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Uh, the forerunner of red pilling. Or one of the forerunners of red pilling, a prominent red pillar. The hatred, the pure hatred that we see developing against that platform by the people who are supposedly supposed to be on the other side is what I have noticed. And to me, um, it's a sad state of affairs. And that's why I'm, I'm saying, you know, the weaponization of the intelligence community against the American people, it's almost like they don't care as long as they take down the people that they don't like. And that's a disturbing thought. And, and people say, well, you're cranky. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. Yeah, 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 I am cranky because we're talking about real events taking place. We're talking about things that are happening right now that you just don't know that are happening outside of, I mean, behind the scenes, okay, that are, it's, when voices are taken away, when those people who have red-pilled a massive amount of people and still do, are taken away. Go ahead and celebrate. Because, and, and stew in the juices of your own making and see how you like it. That's all I'm going to say. But red pilling, to me, is so important, so incredibly important, which is why we are such big proponents of the Red Pill Expo. Folks, yep. let me tell you something, okay? This weekend, well, 21st, 22nd, 23rd, the Red Pill Expo is taking place in Spokane. If you're within a day's drive, get there. If you, if you can't get there because you're, you got a sick family member or whatever, live stream it. You can go to HagmanReport.com, click on the banner, and it'll take you right to Red Pill Expo. And it's our, it's, we feel grateful that we're, 
We're honored to have a presence there in the media section. Just to document the fine people that Gio Edward Griffin and Patrick Wood have put together. It's amazing. So I'm going to kick it over to you, Joe. Yeah, we have with us uh, Patrick Wood, and he is uh, one of the main components of the Red Pill Expo, redpillexpo.org. There you can sign up for the live stream. You can get tickets. Uh, the event is just a few days away. His website, also technocracy.news. You can follow him at Stop Technocrat. Technocrat, right? I don't know if that's a misspelling or not. Mr. Patrick Wood, it's great to have you back on. That's great. It's to, yeah, it's technocracy. It's like democracy, except okay, it's a, of it. yeah, it's, it's, it's a, a typo. On it was side. it was cut off on our end on our, our copy. Sorry about that. No, no problem, no problem at all. It's great to see you back again. Uh, yeah. Days away from Red Pill Expo. It's exciting. We're we're here now. Uh, the advanced team flew up early to Spokane, and we're going through all the motions. You know, a lot of stuff to do. Well, one of the one of the premier events in the country, I'll tell you that, and such a stellar lineup. Um, yeah. Just to be among the people that you've got, you've brought together, I don't know how anyone would not want to be a part of that whole dynamic. Well, how great is that? Um, uh, you will have uh, your t- team here will meet enough of these people to keep your show and guests for the next six months. <laughs> and I, I hope you do. It's going to, you know, these people want to share their message. And uh, we've got a couple of new people uh, now that, you know, aren't, aren't uh, you know, really big, big names. But, boy, they got a powerful message, I'll tell you. You know, you just, you just look down at the list here. We've got Del Bigtree's coming in tomorrow, producer of the movie Vaxxed. What a... What a champion whistleblower. This guy didn't need this kind of trouble, I'm telling you. He was a, he was the producer of the movie that the doctors on television for years. And he decided to become a whistleblower, if you will, and, and speak out against the, uh, against the, the vaccination industry and what damage it's doing. We got one of the greatest constant, young constitutionalists in the country to be our MC, Matt Shea. He's a state representative over here in Washington State, uh, great. Yeah, Patrick, we actually, uh, in t- 2013, I believe, we were at, at CPAC, and we had the opportunity to meet Matt Shea, and we actually got to tour Gettysburg with him. So we do wow. know him, and, yeah, he was a, a, a very, a very constitutionally-minded conservative, uh, definitely an up-and-comer, and I'm glad to see, haven't really heard from him in, in these years past, but it's, I'm glad to see he's on the guest uh, list of speakers. Well, fortunately, I've, I've known Matt for several years. I used to live up in this area for about six, seven years, and I got to meet Matt then, and we've maintained a friendship. So he was a logical guy to call to be the MC. He's from the area, and, uh, you know, he's right in line with what we're doing. He is so gung-ho uh, in support of us right now. It's not even funny. So that's going to be great. we got speakers like that all the way up and down the line. It's just amazing. Um you know, we're going to talk about education. We're going to talk about, you know, the deep state. Um, we're going to talk about solutions. How can you imagine that? The solutions. We got a whole panel on the second day on Saturday that will deal with nothing but solutions. We have some of the most effective 
local activists in the West coming to tell the attendees, okay, guys, this is how you, this is how you put it into practice. And it's going to be that I'm, I'm excited for that one. So that's one of the panels that I'm going to moderate, by the way. So it's near and dear to my heart for sure. Yeah. One of the, the guests I see up there, uh, Debbie Bacigalupi, she's uh, a frequent guest of our show and talking about the agenda 21 uh, and specifically at the local levels and how they've infiltrated local municipalities and towns and cities and, uh, you know, moved their own personnel into these uh, prominent positions of power locally to influence uh, the local politics towards the, the UN's Agenda 21 2030 program and how to fight back against that. And hopefully, uh, people out there, if you're going to be going to the Red Pill Expo or viewing it live stream, take notes and, and share these ideas and these solutions with your friends. We won't be able to make a difference unless it's a, unless we have a group effort and it, we can't depend on Donald Trump, one person or, you know, one mayor, one governor to make the difference. We all have to be, uh, the people to make the difference. And, and absolutely the solutions. Um, you know, that's where we start, and, and it's great that it's not just going to be identifying problems, but also offering those solutions. Exactly right. Well, that's so important. People ask me all the time, what can we do? Okay, we see the problem. What, we can, what can we do about it? Well, we're going to, we're really going to lay it out. Just say, hey, this is what people are doing, and this is how they're winning. And you know what? We need to be winners for a change. We've been so used to being on a losing end, you know, it seems like we're, we, we got to be ready to be winners. And we can be. If we use our heads and we, you know, understand how to work the system and stuff, we have just as much right at the table as anybody else in this country. And we need to, we, you know, we just need to jump on the opportunity. I wanted to share something with you, Doug, in particular. Is I, I know both of you have read my book, Technocracy Rising, and you have a good grasp of what technocracy is, historic technocracy, and how it plays into today's world. If you didn't see the article come across on Technocracy News, I want to point it out. It's just, it was about, I think it was just last week. It was June 14th, as a matter of fact. Um, in Canada, technocracy was a very, very big deal. There was a, a leader in each province in Canada, and then there was an overall leader over the entire country of Canada. And uh, in the late 1930s, technocracy was banned in Canada completely because they were kind of afraid that it was looked a little too much like Nazi Germany and they thought maybe these guys were Nazis so they, they banned them completely and the overall head of technocracy uh, was the guy uh, who argued to get technocracy restored and Canada back on you know back on track again the guy's name was Joshua Haldeman Joshua Haldeman and the reason I'm bringing this guy up, I did not know this until last week, and it blew me away. It also blew my Canadian colleague away, Carl Tykrup. Dr. Joshua Haldeman, who is now deceased, is the grandfather. Be ready for this. He's the grandfather of Elon Musk. Pull the article up. I see it. There it is. Yep. And and I have to say this, Patrick. After we had an off-air conversation, I pulled that article up, and then right, I don't know, a couple of days later, Elon Just Musk coming out as a as a uh, yeah. This is not this is not a mistake. I have identified Musk as being a technocrat based on his actions, his statements, his thinking process. 
there's no doubt that the guy was a technocrat. I didn't need to know his grandfather was a head of technocracy in Canada. But the fact is, Elon Musk is one of the leaders in the big tech community right now, along with like the Eric Schmitz of the world and the Mark Zuckerbergs of the world and so on. And these are, all these people are technocrats, I'm telling you. And <clears throat> the reason that they're dangerous to us is that they're not Marxists, they're not communists, they're technocrats. That's, that's a different thing. People need to understand who the enemy really is, because if they're fighting communism, they're not going to touch these guys. These guys are technocrats. They have this narrow world utopian view that the truth they possess is the only truth that exists in the universe. Everybody else, by default, is fake news to them. Period. Mm. We've never quite been up against something like this. So when, when, when Google censors somebody, and technocracy.news, by the way, is being censored, is pushed way down the news list. If you search for technocracy, you won't find one article on technocracy.news until you get to the second page. <laughs> so most people never go to the second page, right? Um, but we're being censored on Facebook, unquestionably. My traffic has gone down about 90% from Facebook in the last, uh, you know, six months or so. They're pushing us down. They're pushing us out. But if you don't agree with their narrow view and their narrow utopian culture, it doesn't matter if you're conservative, liberal, democrat, communist, Marxist, fascist. They don't care. If you don't agree with them, you're the bad guy. And they will use anybody else that they can to get rid of you in the most efficient way. But what a lot of the, you know, a lot of the Marxists and the leftists in our country don't realize and they'll find out, the technocrats will throw them under the bus when they win, if they win. They'll be the first ones to be thrown under the bus. So will the politicians. These people hate politicians. Got no use for them. And they would just as soon dismiss Congress and send them home as have a cup of coffee in the morning. So anyway, I just wanted to throw that in. This this is part of <clears throat> this is the way these people are behaving. Technocrats are a different animal. Very true, and I would direct people to technocracy.news. Shock, Elon Musk's grandfather was head of Canada's technocracy movement. If you haven't seen that, oh, my goodness, you've got to read that and pass it around, too. On a side note, while we're talking about Elon Musk, Patrick, I don't know if you saw this, but he came out in the last few days and talked about uh, sabotage, employee sabotage, as the reasons for some of the recent failures that he's seen. Have you, uh, is that just his own, uh, you know, excuse? Is there any merit to that? Is that even, is this even a story important enough to, to get into? It's conceivable. There's no proof of it right now other than what he says. And I don't know why we, you know, give, give credence to what he said. He right. could just be a bit paranoid wanting to, you know, calm the stock critics and stuff, so he blames saboteurs. Um, but on the other hand, I will say that there is a growing resistance against the culture of these technocrats within their own companies. We see this in Google, for instance, very prominently in Google, uh, where employees are, some employees are actually suing the company for cultural discrimination uh, because Google suppresses them and just treats them like dirt. If they don't agree with Google, you're you know, you're on your way out before you even get a chance. Um, so it is conceivable that there's resistance within uh, 
Musk's companies. He's got several companies. It's not just Tesla. Uh, so we don't know. It, sooner or later, a, a whistleblower will probably come forth and, you know, do a tell-all thing and say, hey, this is, this is what we're, uh, you know, what, what's going on here. And you saw the same thing in Amazon, by the way. There are a- employees at Amazon who are totally upset with the way Amazon is handling itself, and uh, especially the way they're selling artificial intelligence, uh, what do you call it, uh, facial recognition systems to police all around the country. <laughs> yeah, their stockholders are rebelling against that. So there's a growing resistance, maybe not totally effective yet, but you can sit there. You can see it. And there's, a, there's articles that have come out. Well, you're going to help us hone that resistance, aren't you? I mean, red pill. Yes. See, and, and and folks, that's why. Look, look, please listen to me. Um, there are a few events that you really need to, to really attend. Red Pill Expo is right up there. And I know that tickets are going quickly. Um, space is going to be going quickly. Please act. Well, I mean, you know, you're, you're virtually out of time. So we're lucky we have the opportunity right now to to say you can still get in on Red Pill Expo. You can still get there. Um, please do that. And, and even if you can't live stream it and have a party with your neighbors, your friends, coworkers, family, because what you're going to learn is not only the problem but the solutions and how, how you, you can't beat that with a stick. So I think uh, there's people listening to you right now, Doug, that that have complained about somebody in their family that thinks they're nuts, that they just can't talk to anymore about anything because, you know, they think they've slipped off the deep end. I, I run into this all the time, and I'll bet almost every one of your listeners has somebody like that in their family. We all do, brother. <laughs> we probably all do. Listen, what an opportunity to sit somebody like that down and just say, look, would you come and don't listen to me. I won't say a word. Would you come and listen to one of these other experts that are just impeccable in what they say and the knowledge, you know, like people, I don't know, people like, how about Tom DeWeese, for instance? Mm. You know, he's been around American Policy Center for 35 years. The guy is a certified expert on property rights. Um, you know, you go down the list, you look at a few of these speakers, they just say, come on over, let's, you know, we'll pop some root beers or some beers or whatever and, you know, maybe do a little barbecue for dinner and Listen to some of these people yourself. See, see if it, you know, if you think, if you still think I'm nuts, fine. But would you come and listen? And I bet you got some neighbors in the same boat. You know, absolutely. Think you're crazy, and you know, why is oh, you always talking about this stuff? You know, it's just, you know, you're paranoid or something. No, you're not paranoid. They really are after us. (laughs) Yes, yes, and I didn't mean to interrupt, but you made a good point early on, and the difference between the. Technocracy and, and let's say some Marxist communism, and and a very important distinction um, is, as well. But how to fight and uh, identifying the problem and how to fight and how to win, especially how to win. That's man, that's worth its weight in gold. And uh, yeah, and we talked about this last time. How do you fight? How do you win against uh, artificial intelligence? Against machines? Against a, a system? And Patrick, you described it uh, very eerily. You know, uh, kind of like what exactly what the Bible says about a beast system that, you know, who can make war with the beast, this all-encompassing, all-knowing, monitoring each activity and controlling of all commerce. And, and it seems so far-fetched, but it's also 
right around the corner. It, it, it seems like with the rapid intensification. Who, who thought of Amazon would be where it's at ten years ago, or be, you know, yeah, or just as an example? But go on. Right, it's headed that way. It de- definitely is. It doesn't mean that we can't have an effect against it now, but it's definitely headed that way if we do nothing. That's for sure. And I think there's a lot of things we can do on the local level. You know, there's uh, the power of the city council and the power of the county sheriff, I might add, uh, both political entities. You can have tremendous influence in your community if you get your community to put up a, a shield or a roadblock against some of this stuff coming in. For instance, the cashless society is a good example. Visa MasterCard went around offering restaurants in America $10,000 if they refused to take cash. Well, not only is that illegal... But it's also anti-American, and it's absolutely crazy. But they did this, and they got away with it. The national government didn't stop them and say, you can't do that. Dollars are legal tender in our country. But, you know, a city council can throw up a barrier on that and say, not in our city. You're not doing that. We will completely disallow anybody coming in and, man, and, and trying to trick any of our businesses into refusing taking cash on a local basis. That harms our economy, it harms our citizens, and we will not allow it. And let me tell you, a city council that, that makes a stand like that, their word is gold in their city. Now, if we had a 1,000 cities across America that did that all at once, they would send Visa MasterCard back to Sweden where they where they belong to you know creating a cashless society over there. Good luck, guys. Even the Swedes now are starting to rebel against a cashless society. But we can do this on a local basis. The city council and the county sheriff have all kinds of power and influence that they can wield. But you and I must have a seat at the table. That's the problem. Conservatives and and constitutionally minded people have not consistently had a seat at the table to be involved with these negotiations when they first start out. Get their two cents in when it's important, when the decisions are being made. Usually we come in after the fact when everybody's made up their mind and then we go, oh my gosh, no, you can't do that. And say, well, where were you when we were making our mind up? No, you were gone. My friend and colleague Mary Baker said, if you don't have a seat at the table, you're what's for dinner. Yeah, very well said. And, you know, it's, it's hard. I mean, especially when we look at it along the the religious lines, when we see this, the, uh, what's coming, and, and uh, people who have read the Bible and studied the Bible see the, the writing on the wall, with not only with the ability of this, this beast system through technology, but also the sediment against Christianity and this huge increase, uh, basically, in, in the satanic worship that's out in the open from Hollywood to... Uh, even even Washington D.C., but the local level, as you talked about with what we talked about with the Agenda 21 stuff, this is the only place we are able to fight. I mean, it, it starts locally. Then you move the state. Then you move to the federal government. We can't change things from the top down. It needs to be from the bottom up. And if people care about their future, whether they they got to get involved, whether it's uh, you know getting involved in campaigns of people who will stand against this stuff. See, the problem is, Patrick, and, and I know you know this more than uh, just about anybody, is we and and these people who are creating the, these technologies, they don't un- they're, they're blindly uh, throwing everything at it and and trying to apply it 
you know, worldwide without knowing the consequences or dangers of it. We talked about the, the, the psychotic robots and the, uh, uh, the, the AIs that create their own language and conspire against, uh, you know, humans. They, these people don't care about the consequences and they're blindly going in here at, at, uh, and who knows the dangers to the human populations. But I want to ask you about this, because it seems this is right around the corner. We have the announced McDonald's is going to get rid of, you know, their cashiers and get rid of their workers for robots and kiosks. And then we get the talk of the universal uh, basic income, where everybody is given uh, a certain amount of money to make up for the lack of jobs that now robots are all doing. Do you see that as being a... Uh, <laughs> A model that will be brought to the American people, this universal basic income based on, uh, you know, these the robots and increase of AI taking over jobs? Absolutely. And, and here's, here's the point where cities are involved. Stockton, California right now, for instance, is going through a citywide campaign to give the, the, the people that are out of work there, especially the homeless. There's lots of homeless in Stockton, California. They're going to give them $800 a month. Just a stipend, if you will, and they don't care if they work or not. Uh, this is a city issue, but you see that city got out of control. A city council got out of control. The mayor got out of control. And all of a sudden this thing has passed and nobody uh, stood up against it, you know, when it was being gestated. Uh, they could come back in, of course, if citizens would stand up and went back in and said, we're not putting up with this. You're not giving these people money. You can tell them to get a job or get out. It's pretty simple. Um, but universal basic income is part of the technocrat uh, mantra, if you will, that uh, that is being applied all over the world. It's being it's being experimented with in Europe. It's being experimented with in the United States and several cities here. Uh, and there's other uh, corporate entities like um, uh, up in the Bay Area that are, that are experimenting with uh, or running experiments, I should say, with universal basic income. This is how they plan to take the world and move people out that they're actually going to be creating a class, a new class of society called the unemployables. There won't be any place for them to, to work. And this is one way to manage that population is to basically move them off, give them an income, uh, kind of like it's a, it's a giveaway. It's a, kind of like a welfare program. But once you're in that class and once you start receiving such payments, you'll never work again a day, day in your life. And you basically would be just a, a waste of, on society. And, you know, this, this is a big problem to them. They're looking for efficiency. They're looking for technology to create the utopian world. And people are getting in the way. What do you do with them? Well, you give them universal basic income, get them to quit complaining and kind of send them off to the reservation. Well, Patrick, let me ask you this. What happens to governments, local, state, federal, when this uh, AI technocratic system of total control is implemented. Is there any need for human governments at that point? No, there really isn't. That's that's part of the scary thing of the system. And, and Dr. Prakana said it very well in his book, Connectography. He's a technocrat, by the way, from Singapore. Um, <clears throat> he basically said globalization is the system. <laughs> it, that is the system. No governance is ne really necessary. The system will govern you. This is a new thought to most people. And, uh, you know, if you look around, just kind of look around right now how your world is closing in on you, you'll find this, you bump into the system all the time. Try and get money out of your ATM at your bank on the weekend. Say so you want to buy something off Craigslist. Try to get, I dare you, try, try and get $500 out of that bank machine. Can't do it. There's rules, you know. And, and if you take out 300 is your limit? 
doesn't matter what bank you go to anywhere in the nation or in the universe, they're all going to tell you the same thing. You've exceeded your daily limit. Yeah. I, I remember trying to game that system and effectively gaming it about 15 years ago. Um, I know one way you can do it today, but I'm not going to say Well, but now, you know, it, it's in, in your right. And, and speaking of universal basic income, it's it's by no accident, I believe, that we have news, again, mentioning Elon Musk, um, automated jobs could make universal basic income cash handouts necessary. Yeah. And you think about that, as you pointed out earlier. Um, but uh, Slate Magazine ran, ran a um, article early last month or two months ago. No, it was last month. Um, three new findings show us how universal basic income might work. Uh, in short, really well is a subheading. And then you, you read the article, and no, no. I mean, can you no. imagine that nobody working, everybody just receiving money, you know, nothing to do other than whatever, you know, it is they like to do their hobbies, whether it's drink or take a walk. That's called I mean, retirement, isn't it? It's, it's, it sounds like jail. It sounds know. like prison. More it, than it is a it is a electronic prison, if you will, because once you're in it, you can't escape it, and uh, you know you can't save any money on universal basic income. You're basically going to be living as a ward of the state. You won't have any money to leave your children. You'll basically have enough to live. You, in fact, you won't really have enough for health care and taking care of yourself, so that you might live until a ripe old age. <clears throat> so you got everything going against you if you fall into that that new class of people, the unemployables. And the technocrats know this, you know, that people say, well, let's just, you know, who knew about, uh, who knew about robots and stuff? You know, it came up and, you know, now we got them and what are we going to do with all the people who get displaced? Well, that's a bogus, that's bogus argument. We didn't need the robots in the first place. Right. Nobody asked us if we wanted to have our jobs displaced by robots. Nobody asked us. They're still not asking us, even today. That they don't care. That's right. They're doing their technological thing because they're technocrats, and this is another this is another marker of a technocrat. They invent because they can, not because anybody asks them to, or they need to, or there's a need for it. They invent because they can, and secondly, every problem in the world that could ever come up in their mind, has a scientific or a technological answer to it, a solution. That's all there is. There's no such thing as political science. There's no such thing as, you know, soft skills, if you will, and managing, you know, diplomacy and managing a society. Everything has to be technologically solved in their mind. This is dangerous thinking. People don't have any grip on this yet. And this has been known for over almost 200 years now because the father of scientism and the father of technocracy, Henri de Saint-Simon, said way back around 1800 that a new class of governing people would be the scientists and engineers and that they would be able to run everything without the, without the people's input. This is not American. This is un-American. It's not humane, and it's not human. It's anti-human. Mm-hmm. And, and I want to ask you this, Patrick. I know what we, we've been, I've been referencing Bible prophecy. In Revelation, it talks about this beast system and the mark of the beast, and it says all will get the mark, both uh, rich and poor, 
uh, and it goes on from there. What happens to the wealthy people, the people who have, like you said, you the universal basic income? You won't be able to save money. You won't be able to, uh, you know, hand down things, money and wealth through wills. What happens to those people with millions, billions of dollars? Do they just become slaves of the system, or are they exempt from that part of it? They'll be in, I, I think, in an, an override position where they'll be immune from a lot of the things. For instance, a silly example, but the, the bank teller machine on the weekend. You know, you can't get $300 out. They might be able to get $3,000 out, mm-hmm. you know, and get around the regulations and stuff uh, because they're the upper class, if you will. But that's the way it's always been. There's always been an upper, you know, the, the haves and the have-nots. They're the haves, and we're going to be the have-nots. Um <clears throat> but the the mark of the the mark of the beast is interesting in, in Revelation, and there's clearly that you can read you can see the economic aspect that you can't buy or sell if you if you get turned off so to speak you cannot buy or sell and that we can almost see that happening today actually if your credit card gets frozen for some reason you, you can't do anything man you're completely out of luck unless you got cash in your pocket so. <clears throat> um, you've got um, uh, the, the, the technocrat minds have this idea that society will be run autonomously, basically. And we see that in the book of Revelation. But the mark itself, this, this is important. The mark itself is not trying to force people to buy or sell. The mark is given to those who are willing to worship the beast. It's an issue of worship. You go back and read Daniel and how Daniel had to, you know, all the people back then had to worship Nebuchadnezzar. Worship is the issue there. If you, if you worship the beast, you get the mark. That shows that you are a worshiper of the beast. This also underscores the importance of religion and globalization. One of our people, Carl Tykrip, is going to give us a video on that at Red Pill this, this week. Um, the religious movement in the world today towards oneism is huge. It's, it's per, pervading all religions across the board, including evangelical Christianity. All the big denominations are going forward. Going forward. We see the Pope even with Catholic, he's leaving the entire Catholic Church into the religion of oneism, where everything is one. We're one with the earth. We're one with the, you know, nature. And, um, that religious system culminates in the book of Revelation over who is willing to worship the beast. If you're a good little citizen at that point and you give allegiance and worship and homage to the beast, you're going to get that mark. If you aren't, if you are a born-again Christian at that point, you will not, like Daniel, you will refuse to worship the beast because you only worship the God creation, and that will get you killed. We see lots of martyrs. Yeah. People being martyred because of their faith. But it's about, the issue is about worship, right? And the economic system is running in parallel with that religious system. They're going hand in hand. Not coincidentally, on purpose, they're going together. And very few people are paying attention to the religious system of globalization. This also rising up at the same time right today with the economic system of globalization. Is that making sense? Yeah, no, it, it absolutely does. And uh, taking it a step further, 
uh, from the economic systems. I want to ask you this. Right before we brought you on, we uh, talked about the next branch of government or the military that President Trump announced, which is this space force that he wants to uh, deploy, create and deploy, uh, basically to weaponize space. How much of an impact now does artificial intelligence have on weapons systems? And what is, uh, I guess, what can they do? What are they looking to do with weapon systems and artificial intelligence? Right. Right today, there's just been an announcement by the U.S. Uh, well, actually, the Army didn't announce it, but it was discovered in a report that the Army released that they're intending to uh, field or deploy fully autonomous weapons with the U.S. Army by 2028. That's just 10 years away. Fully autonomous weapons means they'll be driven, run by artificial intelligence. They'll be given a mission and ostensibly sent out on a search and destroy mission or, you know, whatever the objective is, they'll be able to, you know, figure it out. They'll do it. Uh, there has been a movement for the last five years at least uh, all around the world to ban killer robots. Did that make any difference to anybody? Apparently not. No. Because they're all doing it. China's doing it. Russia's doing it. Probably anybody with a garage and a rector set today, you know, can do it. <laughs> and, you know, the terrorists could do it. They'll, they'll get onto it too. But America is leading the charge with DARPA in particular, the, the you know, the defense agency that uh, does all the black hat high tech stuff. Um, and you've got, uh, you know, actually all the branches of the military. The Navy is into it really big right now. They're creating autonomous ships that go out and hunt submarines and stuff like that. Um, it's just a matter of time before they throw all caution to the wind and we have a bunch of autonomous, you know, units running around the world and including from space, I might add, um, you know, ready to pounce on everybody everywhere. I mean, it's inconceivable that we would have an automated war run by, driven by artificial intelligence, but that is exactly the way these technocrats are leading us. And I want to point out, DARPA is full of technocrats. In my mind, certified, certifiable technocrats. Uh, I, I love, I love that certifiable technocrats. <laughs> go a number of different ways with that. Well, it's, this is a certification given by technocracy. <laughs> 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 Listen, if you talk like a technocrat, if you if you think like a technocrat and you invent like a technocrat and you walk like a technocrat, you're probably a technocrat. There you go. There you go. And certifiable. Again, I, I love this, man. Patrick Wood is our guest, uh, one of the most intelligent people I know, and, and, and I mean that sincerely. If you read his book, and I... I ask that you do um, technocracy rising. What what a what an inspiration informational. Um, I mean, it, it, just some of the information in there. I, I quote randomly uh, because it applies to uh, all across the board. Again, get get yourself a copy of uh, technocracy rising. And if if you don't want to wait for it, you can get to Spokane. I'm sure it's available there at the yeah. Red Pill Expo. And, and I'll tell you something. Uh, 
whoever's listening to this broadcast, do me a favor. I, I, I've got two technologists here. i got two of Patrick Wood's books. But do me a favor. Get them to sign it and send them to me, and I'll pay you for your trouble, whoever's listening to this. Uh, but you got to go. you got to go to the Red Pill Expo uh, uh, June 21, 22, and 23. And I, and I want to thank uh, Patrick Wood, and I want to thank the people behind Red Pill Expo, all of them, uh, for allowing us to be part of the media, which is such an honor. Um, because, and, and folks, don't take that as a... As, I just want to make sure people are aware of this. Don't take that as um, in place of being there or in place of live streaming. That's That's just really for our benefit, but showing you a little bit, you know, of what the guests offer and giving you a taste so you really need right now if you're listening to this and this i'm so i'm pushing this so hard because i'm watching john over here to pack up his um, to pack up the production gear um to jump on a plane tomorrow to go to red pill expo so red pill expo folks definitely go there tickets still available but i don't know for how long uh so make the decision to go live streaming as well just go to hagmanreport.com click on the link promo code hagman by the way for 15 percent off but please do it please do it and it's it's going to be so wonderful uh, patrick i didn't mean to interrupt and, and take over the dialogue there um i really didn't but i just i feel so strongly about this event that it's beyond anything i i mean i really feel strongly about it and you've done a great job you and Jerry griffin and, and all the folks there there's another little bit of a, a madness to our method and a method to our madness in putting all these people together in the same room, the same conference, and that is networking. There, there's there's a magic thing here. I I don't say magic in you know I don't know if the earthly sense whatever it is, but there's there's a certain magic about taking field leaders like this and putting them in the same room. And say, hey guys, do you know each other? You know, why don't you get talking to each other? See, cross pollinate a little bit. You know, make some make some friendships, make some stuff where you can start getting together and you know get outside of yourself, broaden yourself, whatever. I'm looking forward to that aspect as much as I am everything else. And, and a lot of people are coming just for that reason. Boy, that works too. And and I've I've been in locations like that, and that is to me that's that is a solution, one of the solutions that we need. And, and thank you for doing that because, you know, folks, I know what it costs. Um, I do, I mean, and not specific to Red Pill, but I know what it costs in general. And uh, Patrick Wood and his group, uh, G. Edward Griffin, are really uh, taking it on the chin to, to make this happen. Why? Because they're looking for, you know, to get rich? No, no. They're looking to save Really, the planet. Uh, We're know. getting rich. I can guarantee it. Yeah, yeah. I, no, I, I know the backstory. I mean, I, I, yeah. See a little sweat here. You know what it is. <laughs> Which exactly? Yeah. If you intend to get rich in wrong profession, that's for sure. Yeah. But um, so it, it, it really things like this, and just speaking honestly from the heart. Attending events like this, and oh, how I so wish I could be in John's shoes right now. But the bottom line is, um, this is what really, you, this is what you need to grab onto, folks. And and you listening to this, you can you can you can be part of the change. And, and thank you for that. Thank you for allowing, on behalf of every attendee, on behalf of every presenter, thank you on behalf of every every media rope person. 
thank you for doing what you do because this is how we fix what's wrong with things, in my view. So, I had my say. <laughs> That's good. I appreciate it. I appreciate the encouragement. Yeah. And, uh, and your support. We need it. We really do. It's, uh, it's a lonely, it's a lonely world, world out here for a lot of us, as you know. You, uh, you oh. walked alone for a long time. I, I wouldn't want to be in your, you know, and that's the thing. And the other folks, the last thing I'm going to say about this, I wouldn't want to be in, in Patrick Wood's shoes or Mr. Griffin's shoes or, or anyone any in that in that planning stage because it, literal sweat off the brow. And you're looking at things and you're trying to make, I mean, he, I can guarantee you the last thing he probably wants to do is, is talk in the night on the, on the Highland Report. Not because he doesn't like us. Well, maybe that's the case. But... Uh, with the event coming up, yeah, it's like planning. Like, you know, which plate do I juggle? You know, I mean, it's uh, so he's a busy man. Um, so with that, I'll shut up and let him uh, uh, continue. His, uh, but technocracy dot uh, news is his website, and of course, Red Bull Expo. Please, 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 folks, uh, live stream it. Get there, whatever you need to do, and support those in in who are present there. And and I drive that home because if we don't stick together. What do we got? We got technocrats ruling over our, our sorry butts. Explain that to your grandchildren. You won't be able to. Guarantee it. Patrick, we got 10 minutes left. Uh, what have we not covered that you want to get into tonight? Well, <clears throat> wow. <laughs> uh, one of the tracks that I'm really anxious to see. We have a lady coming by the name of Twyla Bray. She's on the, the speakers list there if you want to look her out. Uh, Twyla is uh, a former registered nurse. Uh, she's been running an organization for 20 years that she founded. It's a health freedom organization. And she got clued, she got clued into technocracy even before I did because of the way data is handled within the medical world today. And she's coming to speak about uh, her new book that's just coming out. Uh, and I, I think I actually went to press today. It didn't She's not going to get any printed in time for the conference. But the title of her book is Big Brother in the Exam Room. This is so pertinent and relevant to every American how the government from the top down, or the, I should say technocrats, but they're using the government to uh, change the nature of healthcare where physicians, highly trained physicians, are being neutered, if you will, for treating the patients the way they know is best. And they have to take these best practices, these best you know, these guides or whatever, or the directives that come from the medical the insurance companies or the HMOs or the government itself on how to treat their patients where they don't even know the patient, they don't have a clue, but it's it's like the, the physicians are becoming auto mechanics who have to go by the book and just replace the standard part, you know, whatever, certain amount of labor, that's it. You got 10 minutes to spend with your client, but you'll see, you'll see Big Brother in the exam room today. When you go in and you sit down in a doctor's office, a nurse comes in with a laptop or maybe there's a computer in the exam room. They will look at the screen and type, type, type as they ask you a bunch of questions. All of that data is being, go- is, gets fed back to government. 
this is not health care. This is data collection. The doctors are in the same boat. Everything they ha- everything they do and talk to you about, you, they don't have much time. Everything gets transcribed now and put into your file and sent up to the government. Now Google has just come out with a new AI program that they say can predict when you're going to die. Think about that. You're in the hospital. You've had a problem. You go in say, Doc, can you fix me up? He says, well, give it a good shot. And uh, <clears throat> maybe you're not sick unto death, but, you know, you've got a question mark. Well, Google's new AI program will take all of your data, all of your input that they can get about you, and it will run it through its AI program and predict not only the odds of you dying, but the time frame of your death. And that kind of- yeah, and I, I want to make light of this just for a second. Um, my doctor and I had a conversation about that, and, and you're exactly right. First, the first thing you said about the information getting to the government—that's exactly where it goes. It goes into a central uh, medical database, and then it gets parsed by the government. And the second thing that you mentioned about Google is 100% absolutely correct, and medical decisions are being based on that. Of course, IBM is trying to do that with Watson as well, their big AI program. But Google has, Google has had another slant on it where they're using the AI program to analyze just your data in the hospital that you happen to be in. And, of course, in many cases, the hospital is the problem on why people die. It isn't really the disease or the condition. But, you see, the problem is when people start predicting, and nobody knows the future. There's no way. It's not given to man to know the future. That's only known by God himself. Uh, when when this, these kinds of predictions are made, how will that change the behavior of the health system toward you? If, Go- if the Google AI program comes up and says, you know, old, old, old Doug or Joe is going to be uh, there, you know, they've got uh, 27 and a half days to go, and they have a 90% chance of dying. You think, you think the health companies are going to take a risk on spending a lot of money to you to try and, you know, stave off that kind of a outcome? <laughs> I don't. I don't think they're going to half half the time do it now, uh, <laughs> being half healthy uh, with, with good insurance. So now, but just think when they get justification from a program like what Google has, you're almost as good as dead. If that program gives you a negative assessment and you're going to die in the near future, they're just basically going to pull away from you and let you go. This is not. This is so demonic. It's just. I just can't describe it. Absolutely demonic. It is. How can people justify? I mean, how can rational people justify that? It, it, it just is it simply economics? Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, first off, from a technocrat point of view, remember how a technocrat thinks again. Technocrats invent because they can't. Every problem has a technological solution. If you're in the hospital and you're sick. That's the perfect opportunity for a technocrat to invent something that would assess your condition. That would be perfectly normal behavior behavior for a technocrat. Does that mean that it's smart? No. Does that mean that it's ethical? No. Does, does that mean that it's necessarily legal? No. But those things don't bother them. You know, in Ireland right now, there's a big argument going on about 
uh, a DNA database that was put together by the government, with, uh, uh, you know, to study genetic things and conditions and diseases and whatever. And now the government has discovered uh, a whole segment of their population that has certain genes that are given to cancer. And they're thinking to themselves, should we tell the patients or should we tell the people that they have these cancer genes because they're likely to get cancer? Well, that, here's an ethical dilemma. True? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, how can you decide? Well, okay. What if the insurance companies get a hold of this data hmm. with your monitor and they know you have a gene or something that, you know, you have an 80% chance of um, getting cancer? You think they're going to cover you? <laughs> you think they're going to have any pre-existing conditions or any genetic clauses that say we can't cover for this because you have such and such a gene or combination? Sure. This is not a road we want to go down, folks. And I'm, and I have to say, it is not a certain science. There's no certitude to this. Most of it is smoke and mirrors, where they have deceived themselves into thinking that they have valid data. And in many cases, it's no more valid and more no statistically valid than climate change data is being, that's being used to justify global warming, which most of it's just junk science. There's no certainty that this is really true. But if people think it's true, they will act on it as if it's true. That could cost a lot of people their lives. I never thought of it that way. That makes that makes it even more frightening, what you just said. And, and, and folks, think about that, what, what Patrick Wood just said about that. Oh, my goodness. Red Pill Expo coming up in just a few days, June 21st through the 23rd. Go to Hagman Report. There's a banner at the top of the the page that will take you right there. Use promo code Hagman. Just even if you want to get the live stream, if you can't uh, get there, you can't get... You can't buy the ticket. You can't get to that side of the country uh, in Spokane, Washington. Get the live stream. I mean, the, the speakers who are going to be here, experts uh, in, in so many fields, and it is uh, something you're not going to want to miss. It's going to be history-making. Exactly. And do us a favor. When you see Patrick Wood there, shake his hand, thank him for what he's done. G.O.R. Griffin, same thing. And if you feel so inclined, say, yeah, I heard you on the Hagman Report. Let him know where you heard him, but thank him. Thank him for putting this together, for his sacrifice, for their sacrifice, collectively and individually, because I know what it takes to do this. Patrick Wood, thank you so much. And I, I wish I could be there, but uh, thanks for allowing our, our media crew to be there. Thank you. All right. We look forward to seeing all your crew out here. Thank you. Folks, Follow Red Pill Expo. Follow Patrick Wood. Go ahead. Stop Technocracy and the website technocracy.news. Get his books. And again, if you can't go to the conference, get the live stream. It's uh, about a hundred bucks. Use promo code uh, there from Hagman Report and you can get uh, 10% off. Patrick Wood, thank or you so much for joining us. Percentage, whatever it is. Yeah. Thank you. I thought and it was 15, but maybe 10, whatever. I, I'm insane. I, I gotta tell you this real quick. Folks, um, we start off the program. I know I'm running into the break. I know. And Peter's Networks got a, an and, article and up. That's what exactly what I was getting into. We started with talking.
third hour of the Hagman Report. We have Stan Dale, who's going to be with us in just a few moments. I want to go to a headline that's on the front of Drudge. I saw a few commenters when talking about this, these immigration issues about uh, this idea. DNA tests for border kids and parents. How do we know that the children being brought over the border are actually the children of the, the immigrant, illegal immigrants that are coming? How do we know they're not being trafficked by other organizations or, or criminal uh, MS-13 type gangs and cartels? Would DNA tests help clarify uh, what percentage of illegal aliens, uh, adults that attempt to cross with children, are actually related? Well, Jeff Sessions is exploring the possibility of u- using DNA tests for just that reason. Sessions is t- talking to congressional members and is hoping for a legislative fix. The AG wants immigration policy that is just, fair, and enforceable. They talk about making sure that these uh, are really the parents of these kids. He continued, they are looking at how to use DNA tests in the field to verify they are parents and not traffickers. The reality is if American parents put their kids through what these immigrant parents have done to their kids, they would be charged with child abuse. Then it goes on to cite some statistics that we already went over about 12,000 children coming over, only 2,000 having uh, accompanied by parents. So that's a, a, a question thrown out there. Would DNA tests uh, help to curb human trafficking? And even if they did DNA tests, with the corruption inside of our government so high and seemingly uh, advocating this type of trafficking behavior, would it even matter or would it just be for show? Uh, but would the left even allow the idea to, to take uh, the form of a debate in Congress? I, I don't know. Well, I haven't seen the reaction to it, but just an interesting idea. Just go, just go to HagmanReport.com, read, read Peter Chaka's article. Yeah. And then when you get done there, go to Conservative, conservative Review, frequent guest Daniel Horowitz, read his articles. The real agendas behind the separation of families, yeah. PSYOPs meme. Oh, yeah. For yeah. decades, yeah. for years yeah. and decades, the Democrats have been facilitating the invasion of our country by millions of people who are from, as President Trump once reportedly described them, asshole countries. The uh, constantly cited figure of 11 million illegal immigrants is a joke. There are now tens of millions of them here. And the article goes on from there to get into statistics and this whole uh, debate that we see in the mainstream now and how this this manipulation and propaganda is being shoved down the throats of American people. And I'm seeing people uh, commenting and getting emails to the studio saying, I don't think the American people are falling for this uh, line of propaganda. You have always, you know, those small percentages of people who are going to be the most vocal about it. But, you know, the hardworking, everyday Americans who voted President Trump in specifically along the the campaign slogan, build the wall, uh, I don't think that they they have much sympathy for, uh, you know, what is being, the left is is pushing out as far as children being in cages. Because, again, the pictures that they were putting out were from the Obama administration. Some of them were not even from these detention centers. And if you look at the policies and laws on the books, it's only a, a short stop in a processing of these children before they are uh, taken to other f- sponsor families where they uh, have homes and whatnot. And, you know, it doesn't seem like anybody's being killed or uh, mistreated. Laura Ingram went as far to say that these are something like summer camps because the kids have PlayStations and TVs and whatnot. I, wouldn't you know, go I, that far. I, I was going to say I wouldn't go that far, but I certainly wouldn't go on the other side as far as Jerry Rivers, uh, Geraldo Rivera saying that you know, he's going to be on hand at his program tonight. Peter, uh, you know, I roll right now, uh, Jerry, or, uh, 
Geraldo Rivera. I'm Sean Hannity. And he tweeted out, tonight on my buddy Sean Hannity's show, big show, I'll be arguing against the obscene, the, listen to this, the obscene policy that forcibly separates minor children from their parents. This is not zero tolerance policy. This is cruelty. That, that according to Geraldo Rivera. Oh, Geraldo mm-hmm. Rivera. Hey, Geraldo. Okay, go back and look for Al Capone's stash. <laughs> all right, brother? You're an idiot. All right. Um, and, and all the people who are falling for this, this, this meme, this narrative, you're being gamed. Well, they're trying to play anybody who is, uh, you know, if you are against illegal immigration, you're for these children in, in cages. That's the, the, the line that they're putting out there. And the cages, just to be clear, and you've said this, you, Joe, you said this, the, the pictures of the cages is Obama era. It's Obama. But it goes back to Clinton. Okay, hey Hillary, newsflash, your husband signed the documents that put him there. I'm not going to go through the steps to explain it. And, and, and the, the morons on the left is, <laughs> Pastor Lane, the morons on the left. <laughs> and I got clips man. here. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put, put together a little YouTube video tomorrow. Hillary Clinton will turn the children around at the border. Chuck Schumer, illegal immigration is wrong and ruining our country. Diane Feinstein, in a 1994 interview, also went on to say, that illegal immigration is scandalously. Uh, scandalously, it's a leech on our on our resources. And I'm gonna I'm gonna try to compile all these uh, you know liberal talking heads who are crying about the children today about their own ideas of border security when they had common sense and, and a brain to think for themselves and didn't work from a satanic collective hive mind, uh, which they do now. But there's a lot of of interesting videos out there from the same people who are complaining today about the children who, when President Trump was not the uh, man in office, had no problems with this. This wasn't an issue. It was never brought up. What they call Obama? They, they, he was, you know, king deporter. And they loved him. But, you know, I, different I, rules for, for different leaders. I, I, I shouldn't look at, at some of the Twitter comments because, you know, the the the, the, uh, the main tweet, let's see. Um, well, just what I read about uh, Rivera. In the back and forth there, and I got to tell you, it's, it's it, it, people are people are enraged about the leftists using the children as as pawn pieces, and and isn't it the same template as what is that the Parkland gun. school shooting? Yeah, mm-hmm. the, the school shootings. You have to ban guns for um, the children. Yeah, yeah, build the wall. But one of these exchanges is, um, oh, uh, okay, wait a minute. Uh, yeah, let's expand. In reference to what's folks, you come to the country illegally, illegal border crossing, illegal. Understand that term, illegal, against the law. Okay, the proper way for amnesty is you come in through a legal point of entry, you approach the person there, and you ask for amnesty based on political persecution. Okay, that's the legal process when you come through it illegally. Of course. When you come through illegally, that's the first time's a misdemeanor, the second time's a felony. Based on laws on the books. And, and that's, that's a simplification, okay, getting that. But, uh, you see people like Deborah Jean, whoever this idiot is on Twitter, saying, yeah, let's expand government so that we can increase incarceration in America for an effing misdemeanor. And of course, I truncated that. Okay, you really understand the problem. And you're showing your 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 aptitude there, but yeah, look, it's um, it, it, this isn't it something how 
each and, and Joe, this is what I meant when I said earlier on that, that we're waiting for that. I'm waiting for that moment. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not urging it on. I'm waiting for that moment when you're going to have uh, blood in the streets, and uh, yeah, it, it's going to be caused by uh, you, you see. You see the anger building. Uh, one versus another, you know, the, the different ideologies. It's coming. It's coming. We have with us our guest who joins us each Tuesday in hour number three, Mr. Standale. Go to standale.com, click on the show images page, which is on the right hand side next to the microphone, and you can follow along with Stan's research and findings, uh, each time that he joins us. Stan, welcome back to the show. Good to be back, guys. Can you hear me over there? Yeah, we can. Yeah, we can, Stan. Good and, to uh, see you. Good to have you back. Yeah, video's clear, audio's clear. We, yeah. uh, we've been talking about the, the whole children immigration, uh, fiasco that we've seen, uh, going on in this country the last game. few days. And of course we are. Of course we are. You, you know, I think last week I mentioned this and I'll mention it again. You know, if the good Lord didn't want humans to come into heavens, you know, uh, without clearance and without uh, qualifications and, you know, and, and approval, then why would he have, why would he have uh, knocked down the Tower of Nimrod? Nimrod was trying to build a tower to become, you know, get up into the heavens and be as the gods are. In this case, as God is and the angels. But, you know, if God can build walls to keep out people who don't have credentials to get in, why can't we? I, I, I can't see the problem with this. You know, and we won't have a problem with the children then. Or, you know, I mean, the children and the adults go together. If they don't come in legally, well, that's their problem. Amen. Uh, it's it's not, you know, it's not that difficult. It, it really isn't. <laughs> I know. Yeah. I know. Yeah, and, of course, the the, the, uh, the the creation of this aura of, oh, my goodness, oh, the humanity. And, and I find it just... Uh, I think I might have said I retweeted something, um, NRA and Planned Parenthood, um, one organization sells arms, the other supports the Second Amendment. I think I got that right. Think about that, folks out there who are talking about well, child exploitation. Doug, it's the same as like, uh, with the Illuminati business, you know, it has two hands. One hand hits you over the head with a hammer. The other hand says, oh, look, I can stop that pain from the hammer and, uh, you know, with the other hand. And so they create a, a crisis and then a solution to the crisis the way they want. That's what we're looking at here. Very well said. That's the, that's the deeper part of this. And I think people need to understand what you just said, the Hegelian dialectic. And, and you're exactly right. And of course, you get, you get thrown in some Cloward Piven strategy there along with the Saul Alinsky and, uh, Marx's playbook and, the uh, globalist uh, agenda, and there you have it. So deep, I know, but simple. Well, where do you want to go, yeah. Stan? I mean, it's well. It's let's so see. Well, one on. thing that uh, there are a lot of things of interest, but uh, certainly um, on the show images page, slide fifty-two, uh, we're not the only ones with this growing problem of illegal immigrants. Um, Eighty thousand to a hundred thousand Muslim migrants are on the way to Europe. Armed forces are being deployed to stop them in Austria. And, you know, this is going to cause Austria to close borders to other countries around it because they're going to spread out if they can't get into Austria direct. So they're going to have to shield themselves all around the edge or the border of their country. And that's going to be like with a thousand, uh, you know, policemen and stuff that they've set up to take care of that. That's the article you've got up there on the website there. I see that. And um, it, it just, you know, 
Angela Merkel's got a, a lot to answer for, I think, when she let all the, the migrants into uh, to Germany. But this is a concentrated effort of civilian warfare. There's no mistaking it. It's happening here with the mi- illegal migrants from the uh, Central American, Mexican, South American countries coming in illegally. It's just a kind of a mass rush at the door. So what are you going to do? You're going to shoot them. They're going to be piling over the fences in any way they can. So many that you know we're going to be forced to be um, stopping them with force. This is an invasion, and they're using the cover of civilians to do it. I just think that Europe has got the problem. We've got the problem. It's a global effort to spread Islam, which is not a free uh, society. I, I even hate to call it a religion. It's just a, a doctrine by some corporate structure that you know they're executing people to get their way. Anyway, it's oh. Gosh, and what's How can even worse? Be so blind. Yeah, and what's even worse, Dan, is the fact that it's not like these uh, these refugees are coming uh, to assimilate to become part of the working population. They're coming to change the culture to the uh, to the, of the same uh, countries that they're fleeing. Uh, they're trying to turn you know Western Europe into uh, the you know Islamic countries in, that they have just fled from. It makes no sense unless it's being done intentionally to destroy societies. You know. I think the freedom of religion as such, uh, the Jewish, the Christian, uh, the Hindu, you know, a lot of the major religions, uh, Buddhism, they don't make you conform to their religion. They don't tax you if you don't. They don't make you, you know, a stepchild or, a, you know, a poor relation if you don't join their religion. I mean, Christianity, you know, here in Judaism in this country, if you don't join, okay, fine. You know, you want to observe Sabbath, that's okay, as long as we understand that when you, we employ you and stuff like that. But Islam, they come in, they say, hey, you don't conform to our laws and your Sharia law in particular. We'll cut your head off or we will tax you to, you know, to the point where you can't even exist until you become one of us. This is an invasion. It has always been an invasion. And it was that way in the last major parts of, of the Crusades in Europe, to going into the Middle East, you know, particularly into Israel and the area there. Um, the battle is now reversed. You know, the front of it is now moving into Europe and the United States. Um, we're still fighting that crusade right now. And if we don't defend ourselves like President Trump is trying to do, we're going to get swallowed in this. Europe, I mean, look at, at England. Last time I was there was probably, uh, what, 20 some odd years back. And, uh, you know, maybe, maybe, yeah, 20 years, that's about right. And it looked like I was in an Indian suburb, you know, uh, Asian India. The, the people with towel heads and, uh, foreign accents and stuff in London, it was just crowded then with foreigners. Now, it's unbelievably complex with all the Mohammedan, you know, the Islamic factions that are there. Um, taxi drivers and things. <laughs> Anyway, I, I, I'm probably being called a racist and a lot of terrible names by people watching this, but I think that people should be allowed freedom to practice their belief in religion as long as it doesn't encroach upon the others around them and their pursuit of happiness in life. Uh, you know, I can't force anyone to be a Christian or a Jew. You know, I wouldn't. You can tell them why you think that, but Islam doesn't offer that option. They just come in and take over. Yeah. Anyway. I, yep. you know, and it, and they're trying to do it everywhere in Europe and here, and you know we. Uh, what bothers me is whether it's the southern border and then trying to push illegal immigration through the southern border or refugees from the Middle East. It's only one way, every single time. It's only 
you know, Muslim refugees being brought into the West. You don't ever see the other way around. And it's not going east either. You don't see, you know, tens of thousands of Muslims refugees, uh, you know, enter China. It's only these Western countries who have some semblance of, of free governments or, or free societies. And it is a direct attack on those societies. And they're winning. It's sl- yeah, it's a slow-moving attack, invasion. So slow and, and subtle that now at the peak of it, people are saying, oh, we're being invaded. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, it's too late. It's a good thing the Lord's coming soon, I'll tell you what. I'm firmly convinced of that it, it'll take somebody like that to straighten this planet I'm out. Say, it's going to take more than man's got available to straighten everything out. That's, that's for sure. Of course, if he has the Antichrist that comes up, he'll have all the answers. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm sure it's true. Oh, hey, on that note, sorry, were you going to say something? No, no, far away. Uh, slide 44, uh, an interesting little article. Netanyahu and the King of Jordan have a meeting, right, to discuss the U.S. peace plan and it, with Jordan's King Abdullah. Now, maybe not everyone's aware of this, but Jordan is the official custodian of the, of the uh, Islamic sites on the Temple Mount in Israel. And so we need Jordan's approval on uh, a peace plan that involves the Palestinians and Israel. So Netanyahu is over talking to him. In this article, you'll see that um, the the two leaders sit down in a run-up to a visit to the Jewish state, uh, to Israel, by a U.S. delegation seeking to broker a peace deal between Israel and the Palestinians. Now, we know that... Uh, Jared Kushner and uh, Jason Greenblatt, they've been wandering around over there. Uh, they're going to be there again this the end of this week sometime. And they are trying to get a peace deal that involves the Palestinian people, not the Palestinian country, but the Palestinian people, a small people. And I think that one of the reasons that Mohammed bin Salman has been absent from the press so much, even though he's, he's resurfaced in Russia recently at a soccer game, is that he's been working behind the scenes to make a deal with the Palestinians. Now, the Palestinians uh, flatly say any peace deal offered in the Middle East by the United States, we won't even read it. We won't come to the table. It doesn't matter what they offer, how good the, the offer is. So when you're dealing with that kind of resistance, it's going to take a third party to uh, mediate the situation. I think that's going to be Mohammed bin Salman of Saudi Arabia. And that might be what he's been doing behind the scenes. He's already uh, indicated in the past, uh, probably last six months, that he would make available a lot of billions, maybe $100 billion or more, to the Palestinians to resettle uh, into new areas, whether they be in Israel or whether they be in neighboring countries or their, their own countries of origin. But he's trying to pay them to get out of the way and let the, the peace treaty, the peace agreement be made. Now, you know, that'll buy time maybe, but I don't think it'll solve the problem. But he has the money and the the political clout in the Middle East to get the Palestinians to come to the table. With that being said, he wouldn't be making the peace deal. He would be encouraging them to follow the deal that Israel would offer, drafted by U.S. and Israeli uh, negotiators. Now, if that happens, Mohammed bin Salman, not being a party to the treaty per se directly, might well endorse it and say, I ratify this treatment. I confirm this treaty between the Palestinian people and Israel and the Arab states. So I see that Daniel 11 is coming to pass right before our very eyes. I mean, we might be days away from them announcing from the White House there's a peace treaty that's really going to be working in the Middle East. So keep your eyes open for that. This article just kind of 
underscores the fact that they are moving toward a peace treaty in the Middle East. Yeah, and, and it's something that uh, you've been talking about and we've been following. And uh, since Jared Kushner has, has been in that position of power, he seems to uh, be focused on this Middle East peace process and, and to be a part of it, to make it happen. So uh, we saw, we've seen the, the steps they've made with North Korea. Oh, I wanted to ask you this, Dan. I've seen and we've seen reports that Mohammed bin Solomon, uh, some people have said he was shot and killed and, and Saudi Arabia's you know, pretending to, to keep him alive or pretending that he's still alive. Have you heard anything about that? Well, I heard about the rumors that he'd been shot. I even, I think he even mentioned it on this show or your, last week or the week before. Um, but in this last week, he has appeared in videos and photos okay. with, uh, with Putin over at a soccer match there in Russia, which by the way, the, the Saudis lost the first uh, round of that match, uh, you know, the first game. And um, so he looked okay. I, I looked at him for any signs of a limp or, you know, a head wound or whatever. But with the covering that they wear, the men wear over their head, um, and the robes all through their, you know, all over their body, down their arms and legs, whatever, I couldn't see if there were any wounds. Now, he may have uh, been wounded, and he may have uh, been patched up and recovered. I don't know. Um, but he has definitely uh, surfaced. Uh, so okay. we keep an eye on what he does from now on. Excellent. Yeah, because I saw some rep- reports, and uh, I did see some pictures, and the people were arguing, oh, this is this doesn't look right. They're Photoshopped and didn't put much into the rumors, but I'm I'm glad that uh, you can clarify that for us. So, Well, look, in my opinion, based on what media I've been able to, to grab, and, uh, you know, the videos are harder to, to mess up than, than stills of Photoshop, but not impossible. However, with other press carrying the news about uh, Putin uh, being there in the in the premier box at the soccer match with Mohammed bin Salman, with that, it's kind of hard to change everybody's blog and, and uh, response to that on the internet. I think it really did occur because of that. Interesting. So, yeah. Anyway, but uh, he's still on my watch list. You know, is really the, the the strongest potential for an antichrist from the Middle East at the moment. Yeah. Well, very uh, much uh, his rise to power, the consolidation of power, and, uh, you know, what he has been doing since that meeting with all the, the titans of industry and economics and uh, the political world all across the world, definitely somebody to keep our eye on. And you've had your eye on him for a long time before he even uh, was in his position of power. And uh, I like the chart that you have. Um, I don't know if it's up here now on the show. Yeah. It's image 13, who is the uh, Antichrist, the Syrian Solomon of our time. And you list all these uh, potential candidates and you list all the different uh, uh, things that have to be right with this person. Uh, and you have all these different leaders from Adrogan, Assad, uh, Mohammed bin Solomon, and others. And I think that's a, a very resourceful chart. Uh, there you go, Eric. You got it up on the screen. Yeah, yeah, I'm looking at the same thing here on my computer. Um, yeah, uh, there are just so many things that uh, he checks the boxes for that the other guys don't. Um, you know, that new city of his, uh, I keep saying that, that Neom city he's building is right over the top. It, that whole city boundary is going to include uh, Jabal El-Laws and the mountain next to it. You know, that's where the Ten Commandments are given to Moses and where the children of Israel and the tribes of Israel consolidated. You know, before eventually wandering the Arab Peninsula there for 40 years. So he's incorporating that in the city of Neom, which means he could well claim that yes, that's the size where Moses gave the, the, uh, the Ten Commandments and whatever. And, um, 
you know, we, we'd go from there. That he's making that a site uh, that um, is a tourist attraction. And he may say other things that detract from it being, um, you know, a good thing or historical correctness or whatever. But he's going to encompass that in his new city, um, which will prevent, of course, even more than it does now, people going over and digging into the, the ruins and uh, uh, the structures there, actually, that we could prove that that was Moses' place where he received the Ten Commandments. I'm positive it is. There's just so much to, to verify that uh, people that have been over there, Christians that have explored the area, but he's including that in his massive new Neom city. Um, he broke the name down. He said Neo means new, and M is an Arabic word for something, new direction or like that, but in my opinion, it's Neo Mohammed. You know, the new Mohammed is this guy, Mohammed bin Salman. That's the way I look at that neo thing. And the fact that he's putting his um, uh, city over in that area between two seas, you know, he's got the, the, the uh, Red Sea and he's got the Gulf uh, of uh, Aqaba there, uh, is, um, and let me just see, uh, in on that uh, slide 13 down toward uh, about one, two, you're about two boxes above the picture of Muhammad bin Salman at the bottom. It says, The holy mountain is at Jabal al-Laws in Saudi Arabia and the place where Prince MBS is building his Neom city. It is in between that mountain and the Red Sea and the Gulf of Aqaba. In the King James Bible it says, speaking of the Antichrist, And he shall plant the tabernacles of his palace between the seas in the glorious holy mountain, yet he shall come to his end and none shall help him. Daniel 11.45 Okay. Uh, he plans to make this a very rich, luxurious place for rich folks and himself, the city of Neo. Uh, you know, tabernacle, I don't know whether it'll be a tent or whether it'll be, you know, regular palaces or what, but uh, he's doing exactly what the Antichrist will do. Uh, he's in the place where the Holy Mountain is, you know. Anyway, we'll keep an eye on him. Uh, I just think that uh, he's the leading candidate at the moment, and I'm not trying to have any arguments with people that say that <clears throat> it won't be a Middle Eastern Antichrist. Uh, I'm just saying that he checks a lot of the boxes, and I've tried to allow for, you know, Pope and Erdogan and, uh, you know, others, um, uh, General Qasim Soleimani of Iran, which had anything to do with the name Solomon or revered Solomon. <clears throat> and as you can see from that list at, at the moment, I have not seen anything of, of the others that was as strong as the evidence for Muhammad bin Salman. <clears throat> Excuse me. Anyway, that's enough on that stuff. It's, uh. Alright. Yeah. Um, now, slide 51. Um, now, y- you don't have to read all this while we're on the air, but <clears throat> this is, uh, an article by Dr. Peter Pry about the threat, uh, of electromagnetic pulse damage to the United States infrastructure. Again, you know, he, he thought it was very important to put this up, and, uh, he's a leading proponent of setting up an EMP commission that has teeth, you know, clout, to start protecting our infrastructure, our grid, and individual homes. Now, you know, my partner Tim and I developed that EMP shield for homes and for uh, solar power arrays and all that other stuff that people have auxiliary power with in our effort as civilians to try to get this moving forward to save as much of American, you know, infrastructure uh, in homes and uh, uh, small groups of people that are that are banding together to uh, prepare for surviving this. 
this is what we've done, you know, and I, I hope Dr. Fry will be able to get uh, President Trump's you know, White House to uh, do it at a government level. Um, you know, th- there are a lot of things that could be done if the power companies could be brought to the negotiating table and said, look, let the government come in. You know, they're even offering to pay to put it in for them. You, you know, the government is. Don't be afraid of government encroachment because we're not adding new regulations. We want to build safety areas on the grid immediately and shield those transformers so we can have some power left if we get hit. And this article, as I say, you can go on and, and uh, read the majority of it, but um, and it, it, it's important. And uh, uh, in the next two weeks, Tim's coming over here to, to my place, and we're going to be working on uh, a new approach to our uh, way to capture electrostatic waves from the atmosphere and turn them into electricity. We want to be able to put it in a cable underground so that there's no chance that people may accidentally be hurt by the high voltage that appears on the uh, the antenna. Um, these are problems that we've we knew would be coming, but we don't want to kill people that are careless around high voltage uh, power supply like this. Anyway, we're going to be pushing our part of it, and so is Dr. Pry. And I think it's important that people be aware of the fact that it's not only North Korea, but also Russia and China. Uh, that have technology to hit us with an EMP and a lot of other nuclear arms. I, I go back to what the Hopi told us when, when Holly and I visited them at their invitation in Arizona at the Shingopathy tribe in, in uh, the, the Three Mesas. It's the second Mesa. They did say that there's a time coming very soon when Russia, China, and one Middle Eastern country will invade the United States, will attack us with nuclear weapons, and will virtually destroy America to the point that they don't want it and they'll all leave, leaving a small portion of survivors on the eastern slopes of the Rocky Mountains and down to the four corners to rebuild what's left of the people that survive it. Um, so hmm. wow. to that to that extent, look at, at slide 54 in the story on that about Russia. Right now is, you know, they, they've got photographic proof that they're beefing up their nuclear bunkers. Uh, there's one of them right there, and it, this is a lead-up to World War III. I know I've been saying this for a long time. Russia needs to neutralize the United States before it does what it wants to in the Middle East. It wants to go down there and honor agreements with um, uh, with Iran, with Syria, you know, a number of countries, and it wants oil. Now, uh, even though the Megiddo well that, that uh, Zion has uh, drilled and tapped and is now testing for oil, even though that hasn't been proven to be a huge source of oil yet, we know that the Megiddo plain has a lot of oil underneath it. I've put the maps up several years ago to show, in fact, let me just say uh, and how much oil is there. Look at, uh, okay, dip toe at image four. And you'll see my study there uh, broken out over where the oil would be in the Megiddo Plain. And I've located a little area that's, you know, uh, it leads from the Golan Heights down to this area uh, uh, near Yoknaim Elit, uh, west of Nazareth. You can see there, looking at image, uh, well, there's not an image number, but it's third row down the middle. It's this fault path from Golan Heights to the Toe of Asher. Um, my dad was a petroleum engineer in addition to being an attorney. And uh, we talked many times about how underground structures, how they formed and how the oil moves. 
And I really think that that blue line I show there from Athic oil, where we know there's plenty of oil, flows down underneath the ground all the way down to the red line. Um, and uh, that's in the uh, the uh, Megiddo Plain area on the northwest side of it. Um, the type of stone that is there is the only place I could find in Israel, particularly in the uh, Megiddo Plain, that had basalt. And that's the kind of stone that they were talking about in the scriptures where they say, you know, that uh, it would it would like leak oil. And this particular type of, of stone is a, a base nite or, or basalt. And I found with those three little yellow pins there where that is today. So there's that. And to the right of that, uh, I've looked at a number of places there. And I do think that the Russians and the Chinese both want the oil in that area. But they're probably not going to, the Chinese are not going to go after it until the Russians, the United States, uh, Europe, uh, the Arab nations, they've all fought in the area and weakened themselves to the point they couldn't endure another war. And then China will, will move in. I think that'll be the Armageddon uh, war that, that uh, is spoken of in the Bible. Yeah, anyway, that's that's that image there. You can look at that uh, later and see what I'm talking about if you've not seen it before. Okay. Um and, and yeah. the uh the switching topics there, one of the things that I mentioned at the uh, top hour two was some uh, frightening statistics that I was reading about the Hawaii volcano. One, obviously this has not happened yet. There were reports that uh, this part of the volcano, the summit collapsed and it could go into the ocean creating a tsunami. Obviously that didn't happen. But the continued increase in earthquakes, and if I remember the statistics I read earlier, uh, since this eruption happened, it's like every 10 days the earthquake activity increases uh, by a significant percentage, and it's almost like it, uh, uh, yeah. like every 10 days it goes up by 300%, something like that, almost structured like, and that the worst could be yet to come, and I see you have some similar things up here, uh, image 50, over 1,700 earthquakes at Hawaii's Big Island during the last seven days, over 5,300 earthquakes globally during the last seven days. Um, yeah, this is this yeah. looks bad. It does. Um, uh, Richard Hankey uh, watches the earthquakes and and the patterns as well, and he emails me occasionally when he sees uh, something that's anomalous, and uh, uh, that's why I put this up because he said, look at look at how many we've got now. That when you get over four or five hundred earthquakes, you know, significant earthquakes over a week, that's interesting. You know, it could lead to some kind of a, a big event, but when you get five thousand and over five thousand. And so I told him, I said, well, I'll have a look at that and put it up today because that's an interesting figure, and that's uh, 549, I think. You can see the planet and the increase in earthquakes. Now, uh, the the earthquakes at like 4.5 or better are moving up the South American coast into Central America, and, of course, we've had the, the Guatemalan volcano and uh, a few other things happening in that area. But as yet, you don't see major quakes like this happening in the United States, just a lot of precursor small ones, and to have 5,354 of them you know, as of two hours ago tells me that, that what uh, Richard is talking about is probably significant, and we should pay attention to that. Yeah, it's... Um, I don't know what to make of this situation. Some people say that, you know, this is... Uh, the worst is over. Others say that the worst is yet to come, that we haven't seen anything yet. Uh, I'm looking for historical examples of of any type of activity in that Hawaii volcano that has caused uh, tsunami type uh, behavior before, and I haven't really got that big into the research. But the earthquakes, 
definitely speak of something uh, more going on. And I hear uh, something we talked about last week, too, is uh, the possibility of the magnetic pole playing a factor in all, in all of this. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. I uh, yeah, I, look, I, I think that we're seeing increasing uh, geological um, you know, events that are somewhat catastrophic where they're hitting. And we expect this as the proponents of global warming, which they attribute to human endeavor, which is ridiculous. But the global warming from the sun itself is apparently triggering a lot of activity and, you know, all over the planet. And the earthquake increase, the volcanic increase, the shift of the North Pole and South Pole, North Pole is moving twice as fast as the South Pole as it starts to deviate. Uh, at least last uh, uh, data I got on that. But um, this is climate change, and it's climate change in a disastrous way. So we all need to kind of relate that, uh, that are you know biblical scholars or biblical readers, we need to relate that to prophetic events for the seven-year tribulation. I think we're going to see these things intensify, and this is just a sample. Now, as far as Hawaii, you know, uh, I think even USGS is guessing, uh, you know, what's going to come next. Uh, they look on statistics to try to see, okay, is it a periodic thing, which this is certainly a bigger periodic thing than it was before. But uh, they're kind of bound by looking at stats uh, and reading what instrumentation they have. And like Pinatubo, they're going to be sitting on an knife edge trying to say, do we tell people in the Big Island to move further west, to, to get off the island? Uh, is this just a, a minor thing and it'll fizzle out? It's 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 a kind of educated guess, you know, a partially educated guess, a peg. And we all do it to the best we can. So I'm not telling anybody to move out of the area, but I'm just saying that uh, I probably wouldn't live there in that area for a while. I think we're going to see land masses form at the edge of the, the the big island there where these earthquakes are occurring that we're going to see more uprising and more magma on top of that which will generate new landmass for the big island if everything and, stopped today how long would that take to uh um free be able to build a hotel there i for lack of a better question uh, you know how long would it take to cool down to be workable oh you know Probably a few weeks, but uh, weeks. Uh, okay, I, I I was thinking years, you know, decades. Spray some water on it and, uh, and start putting the foundations in. Yeah, yeah. You, we could we could engineer it if it didn't happen naturally, but um, wow. that heat radiates that heat radiates pretty quickly, especially the stuff that's gone into the sea. It'll it's cooled off by the sea, and that will move inland as the temperature drop on the the magma connected to the the island itself. Okay. Oh. Sorry, yeah. No, uh, okay, all right. Um, yeah. Now, I'm just looking at something else, talking about global change. Look at slide um, 45. The West Antarctic uh, ice shelt, the ice melt, poses unique threat to the United States. Now, I was just looking at this. It, it told that um, we're expecting 1.2, one and a quarter centimeter which would be about oh, half an inch rise in the seacoast of the, the, the eastern United States because the West Antarctica ice sheet is melting. And uh, because this shifts the gravitational field of the Earth, you know, as the mass of, uh, of uh, the Antarctic diminishes with the snow melt and distributing the water elsewhere, it changes the gravity of, in the northern hemisphere. 
and as a result, we see an encroachment on the coastlines. Now, uh, NOAA has what's called a sea level rise viewer, which would allow you to get to within 30 uh, centimeters, uh, which is about uh, 20 times what we're talking about right now. And it shows the areas that uh, will be inundated just by the sea level rise, you know, coastal areas where people have homes and islands and stuff like that. And it's worth, uh, you uh, you can get to that by looking at coast.noaa.gov, or you can search for sea level rise and coastal flooding impacts. And uh, look at that map, and if you live in any of those areas, it might be a long-term plan to sell the property and, uh, you know, go somewhere else. It's it's rather interesting. And the worst, yeah, the worst hit areas, I'm just looking at this, uh, even before the areas up there that are going to be hit, is New Orleans. and uh, In Texas, I read, uh, the Gulf yeah. Coast side of Texas. Yeah. Yeah, you can see Morgan City in this map, uh, Louisiana, uh, Beaumont, Texas, right there on the border, and certainly off of the Houston coast. Those will be inundated, but Louisiana is going to suffer the most. Uh, it's going to move up to where, you know, the edge of Lake Charles is going to be seafront. Uh, it's, <laughs> anyway, you get to that viewer and have a look. I didn't have a link for that up, but. That's off this is one. That's the one you were talking about? Yeah, coast.noaa.gov, and then you look for sea level rise viewer. Okay. I don't know that you can get that up now. But anyway, this is um, things we've been looking at before about what areas would be clobbered by sea level rise. But in the maps and stuff that I was working with, I was not able to put the, the um, gravitational change components in, which makes the damage even worse than what I saw on my uh, topographic maps. So it's it's good to... Have a look at this. It'll be, it shows it'll be about 25% higher than what I thought. So, that's, that's good news. I just thought I'd share that with you guys. Very interesting. And, um, and you know, I'm going to go back to Hawaii just for a second, the primary volcano, just to be clear on something. And I know that perhaps this is covering old ground. The, um, what do you, what do you call it when it, when it, when it, what did you call it when the, Volcano top kind of falls in. What is that? Um, a collapse. It's a collapsed volcano. Is that what you're talking about? Or? Well, yeah. Um, that would ultimately create tsunamis. Or, okay. Yeah, yeah. Nothing has happened on Hawaii that would suggest that has happened, will happen, or is imminent to happen, right? No, I, you know, I haven't seen that. And if you look at the... Uh, at the slide there, where I've got the uh, picture of Hawaii and the earthquakes, uh, what slide is that? It's number 50. If you look at that, the, um, the where the majority of the earthquakes are occurring is on land on the big island. You can see the red uh, the dots there. But right. if you go to the coastline and then look underwater, you'll see a ridge that extends to the upper right and down to the lower left. That's part of the big island, but it's underwater. And we're seeing a lot of earthquakes along that ridge. Now, if this continues like you did in Iceland, where you have um, long uh, slots, you know, or, or cuts in the, the the surface of the Earth, and it starts to exude magma rather than explosive volcanoes, that's where I'm thinking the landmass will start to grow right along that ridge and oh. even out into the sea. And that, that the earthquakes indicate something's happening there. That's you know Stanley's best guess at the moment. Okay, all right, and that okay that clears up where I was headed with this, and I appreciate that. Okay, 
All right, good. Wow. Man, things are changing, aren't they? Wow. Slide 47 is, is talking about more of that change. Um, they say it's utterly terrifying. The study affirms a feedback loop, you know, in the ecosystem, uh, that causes surging Antarctic, uh, ice loss. Over the five, last five years, the loss of ice in the Antarctic has been tripled. And that, of course, is what I was just talking about as far as the sea level rise on uh, slide 45. Um, so, it's not over yet, and it's certainly not going to be a level playing field. You know, it's not going to be a gradual decline in the ice sheet over the next uh, 50 years or something like that. We haven't got that kind of time. It's going to happen quicker. I think the the solar storms uh, and the solar misbehavior that we see in, in the prophecies of Revelation uh, do indicate that the sun is going to be a major player in the judgments that uh, the good Lord passes on to the earth. So this is just another confirmation. Um, slide 49 goes on, you know, um, uh, more than just the heat. It's talking about the uh, uh, the chance of a, a solar EMP like the Carrington event in the 1800s, uh, the late 1800s. Um, again, another warning that uh, if it's not the Russians or the Chinese or, or the North Koreans, which, which seem to be kind of quiet at the moment, uh, it's the coronal mass ejections and the solar flares, the intense ones, that can create a solar EMP, which lasts longer than a nuclear one. It lasts in minutes to hours. Um, and although it's a slow wave and a slow voltage rise, our EMP shield will take care of that. But it's still something that is a question mark. You know, when is it going to happen? It will happen, but when and how many times? And this article does look at that, uh, you know, of course, playing back on the 1859 Carrington event. But... Uh, translating that to current events and how many CMEs we see from the sun during its active period. Now, the, the new active period will be, uh, the height of solar sunspot activity will be, uh, what is this, 2018 for about 20, 2020 to 2023. 2023, I think, will be the, the peak of it. But other things can happen in the meantime, so. Oh, well, you still have time though, but I wouldn't push it to get your EMP protection devices. Sure. You know, yeah. and, and I'm, I'm being serious about that. I, I think everyone should take that responsibility. Um, uh, it's the least we can do. Uh, well, you know, Doug, especially, you know, the people that have uh, standby power for us, you know, yeah. like whether it be diesel or solar or wind, you know, there, there are a number of different alternate uh, technologies, but they have inverters and electronics that need to be protected. Protect the power, the auxiliary power supplies. Uh, with a grounding rod in one of our devices. And that way, even if your, your electronic devices in the house weren't protected, you've got power. You can rebuild with power. And we need to be able to rebuild what's left of America when an event like this takes place. So it's a, a really a civil responsibility, not only for your home, but for the community. If you have auxiliary power supplies or methods, protect them from an EMP from either the sun or nuclear EMP. And our device will not burn out on a single event. It'll take 40 or 50 events before our device might be compromised. So if we have 40 or 50 EMP attacks, it's probably not going to be worth staying around anyway. But yeah. uh, my point is we, we owe it to ourselves to protect our power supplies, our auxiliary ones. That's why we invented the darn thing. It was for, you know, out my back window here is you can see that right up, right, uh, let's see, right there, there that little 
yeah, that leads out to my antenna, and I'm monitoring field events and stuff that we're doing on the antenna right here on another computer, which is down here. Okay. <laughs> but but not on right now. Um, so yeah. Anyway, EMP shield. I, I can't stress it enough. You need to do that. And we folks, we are proponents of that. And that's just this is not a sales uh, uh, pitch. It, well, it is because it's the right thing to do, and you've got to protect your stuff, your protect yourself. And you know what? Tell others about this too. We all need to be. I mean, this is something that's preventable. Um, the, uh, I should say the damage, the extent of the damage can be contained, preventable. And like Stan says, the alternative sources of power afterwards. So. Uh, Doug, what's your, I forget what's your, your discount code you give people. Is it Hackman or? Hackman. Hackman, okay. Right. That gives them 50, $50 off each unit they get. Yeah. Some, some people need to get more than one for bigger systems. But anyway, use Hackman in that and you get $50 off. Yeah. Good point. And it helps you, you know, and helps them and helps all of us, so. Yep, and that. just go to HagmanReport.com and click on the link. It's right there, folks. Right. You can see it right on the uh, screen. And it's right, a good right. investment. Yeah, great okay, investment. good. Yep. Yeah. But okay. If we can switch to uh, the to image 43 stand, there's a – I saw this article yesterday, I believe, about this black hole that was captured uh, as the star erupted, but there was also another uh, interesting space-related article about the discovery of a universe or a galaxy – uh, very close to ours that for some reason was unable to be seen because of its dim lighting. Did you hear about that? No, that did escape me. Um, hmm, a dim galaxy. Yeah, there was a, a one of the, there was a galaxy discovered um, only 400 or so light years away from Earth, and they were using those squiggly light bulbs. <laughs> it was one of the uh, yeah. uh, closest galaxies that that had been there the whole time that they didn't even know was there, and uh, they said it was because of the, of the way the galaxy was lit up or the lack, lack thereof, but I thought that was interesting. But what does this, um, what have we learned from the, the, uh, black hole? And, and another question on this, I only see artist depictions of this. How come we don't have any real photographs if they captured it all? That's it. Um, yeah, I wondered that too. It might be that the way that they, they, uh, captured this data was in, uh, you know, digital form, and uh, they measured uh, intensities of radiation and were able to plot it to a, a certain point. Now, they could make a an image of that, an artificial image, but uh, uh, my thought would be that the image wouldn't be as good as this artist's rendition of that. Um, yeah. Hmm. Uh, I've seen some of their plots on other events like this, and you see little X is showing this value, that value, that's, yeah, it gives you a trace of the thickness of the density of the waves and stuff coming out. But, um, I don't know if there's anything nefarious about not being able to see the actual image or they can give away any secrets uh, or things like that. Um, I'm just looking up this, um, dark galaxy, um, and I don't see anything. Uh, did you see that in current news, Doug? Or, sorry, Joe? Yeah, yeah, I did. I think it was uh, either yesterday or, or late last week. Um, well, I can see May 25th. I can see our, June the 5th, uh, that kind of stuff. But I don't see anything that's really uh, current yet. Yeah, huh. Let me just try Google News. Now, just a second. I, I could be speaking. Bizarre, okay, bizarre. Okay, I see one from March of this year. 
bizarre stunned galaxy found in our own cosmic backyard. Yeah, but if I remember correctly, you, this no, was you're talking a, about this last week or the week. Yeah, this was just a few. Uh, let me do a, a search with the time change on here. Past month. Six days ago, scientists discover three brand new planets hiding behind our own galaxies. Okay. Astronomers just found six bizarre galaxies that appear to be empty. Huh. I can't find the one that I had come across the other day, but, yeah, there was talk of a, a new galaxy that was discovered in our own backyard. Is that what it said, or have you found that article? No, no, I'm gonna I'm gonna go search for my. Well, history. we'll look at it later. We won't take up time with that, but yeah, I you know I'd, I'd be very interested to see why that happened. If there were a uh, maybe an interstellar or intergalactic uh, dust cloud that dimmed it, or whether well, I, whether the whole galaxy is uh, emitting light in other wavelengths rather than this, but I, I doubt that that would be the case. Uh, my first guess would be perhaps dark matter in between or a thin cloud of uh, dust or something in between that, that dims it. Okay, here I found it. ScienceAlert.com from April. Okay, never mind. It's an old article, Stan. Okay. <laughs> Solves that. Yes, yes, doesn't it? What? I guess okay. I wasn't paying attention. Well, well oh. it's all right. We're almost uh, we're we're worth, we're within striking distance, minutes away from the end of the program. Anything? Oh. Go ahead. Anything. Anything yeah. else to you? Okay. Yeah, i got a couple of things. Uh, image 46, we can look at later, but um, they've found a frog that's been suspended in amber, encased in amber, and it reminds me of the uh, Jurassic Park thing where they had, mm-hmm. uh, you know, old embryos or old uh, cells of dinosaurs and could bring them back to life. So here we have a real frog that they can use uh, possibly to uh, take that DNA and cross it with the DNA of... Um, you know, dinosaurs, they've, they've gotten out of some of the old uh, bones and stuff, so they claim, and rebuild as a dinosaur. But anyway, that's just uh, something to ponder. I, I was going to comment on the fact that uh, I've been getting a couple of uh, people that want to go over to the Garden of Eden, you know, oh, and they say they want, they want me to lead an expedition over there. <laughs> but, uh, I told this one lady today, I said, look, thanks for, for, for the invitation, but... Um, they want to plan one for next year, you know, in the May time when it's uh, just at the end of the rainy season and spring is happening. But, uh, it, you know, I don't know. We'll talk about it. If people are interested, well, maybe uh, Jared and Christina can organize a uh, a group of people to go over. If we have more than five people, is that one, two, three, more than four people in a in a group, we'd have to have two or three land cruisers and walkie-talkies between them so we could uh, communicate and stuff like that. But... Um, I'll look at it if the subject comes up. It's that's a year away from now, uh, maybe eleven months. But I got um, a couple of inquiries. Stand not to interrupt you, but for jewelry from the Garden of Eden, where do we, where, oh yeah. where do we go for that? Uh, well, I think it's down at slide uh, forty in the text region. Let me just check and see slide forty. Yeah, get on there and you can see. I mean, people are already starting to buy jewelry and have custom made stuff with. We got some of the red dirt and some of the actual water from the, the water source for the Garden of Eden from Komnana. Mm-hmm. Um, and so people have asked about it, and so we're sharing what we got for ourselves. But, um, yeah, people want the actual red dirt from the Garden of Eden rim, which we were supplying. And uh, I think it comes in a glass vial, and Christina said it'd be about $70 or something like that, including the glass vial. Okay, but, uh, the, and, but those items that we're showing on screen right now, that they've already made pieces of jewelry. 
Yeah, yeah. And and these can be customized. Uh, people might want, instead of rubies, you know, they might, because uh, we've got uncut rubies and stuff, and we've got, uh, you know, polished rubies from the area in Tanzania there. Uh, or the blue thing like that, uh, that elephant that swung by a while ago, or the peacock, that's, uh, uh, Tanzanite, which is one of the ten most rare gemstones on the earth, even more rare than, uh, diamond. Mm. So, uh, but anyway, uh, any of these can be customized to what people want with the various stones and the type of metal. Uh, so we're not trying to make it a, you know, like a sausage factory and just turn out a, a thing that everybody gets the same thing. You can say, I want this stone or that. So that's why we have people inquire about it. And that's what they're doing. And we say, okay, what's your budget to what kind of stones do you want? And Christina fixes it up for them. And then Jared has to make the wax molds. But, uh, yeah, it's really good. People are, are catching on to the idea and it helps them to, to witness about the Garden of Eden as well. Sure. Sure. Okay. Awesome. Stuff. So we'll, we will direct the inquiries to that particular website. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. All right. Fantastic. Uh, now I didn't, uh, let me just see here. I don't know whether I put that in. Yeah. Slide 41. If you click on slide 41, I didn't disappear all the Garden of Eden images that they had up, that we had up, but slide 41 takes you to a sub page that I'll be updating from time to time with more images and, and videos. Um, about our trip over there. So they're not totally gone. Oh, and there's one image missing down there at image 15. I'll have to figure out what that is. But anyway, that's the story. Folks, I want you to certainly bookmark and uh, visit standale.com, the show images page. Obviously, visit standale.com every day for the headlines. Uh, Holly does a great job. And the photo of the day. Everything there is incredible. Check out the photo of the day. You want to talk about the invasion, whether it's real yeah. or not. Yeah. There are photos of the day. You'll look at those. That's right. Oh, unbelievable when you see it. I mean, just unbelievable. Look at that. Yeah. You just scroll down. Picture after picture of hordes coming into our country or trying to anyway. Yeah. I don't understand how the Democrats can make this a political issue when it's a threat to our national security. I just don't understand this. Stan, it's about the children, the poor children. Oh, yeah, of course. I forgot. Yeah. Mm. And, and folks, yeah. uh, hagmanreport.com, that's hagmanreport.com. A couple of things. Uh, well, uh, look at uh, Peter Chakra's article and, and, and consider the pictures as well uh, on, on uh, Sandale's show page. The photo of the day, that is, the photos of the day. And uh, obviously the MP Shield, Garden of Eden information, all that stuff. Uh, so whole bunch of whole bunch of things here at the end of the show. Sam, thanks much for uh, being part of the program tonight again. Thank you guys for the invite. We'll talk to you next week, Lord uh, willing. All right, brother. Amen. Thanks, Stan. Bye-bye. As always, uh, as always, Stan Dale, a fantastic guest, and the MP Shield. It's uh, I'm telling you, it's a good thing to have. And the Garden of Eden jewelry. What, what a great one! Just what a great thing. And if you miss the Garden of Eden yeah. uh, pieces, the, the last two Tuesdays that Stan was on with us, those videos are segmented on our YouTube channel, but you can go uh, watch his interviews and the stories from his return trip explaining what they found and, and what they documented and uh, all the, the awesome pictures that they have up there. It's like a, a photo book of beautiful pictures of, of lions and tigers and zebras and uh, the population there, it's just so beautiful. So we thank Stan for sharing all that with us. I'll tell you, uh, thank you, Peter Chaka, for weighing in on the uh, gaming of, of the, I, I don't want to say crisis, but on the gaming of the American 
American people. Uh, go to HagmanReport.com, read Barry, Peter Barry Chalk, the latest article. 